It's been a while since I've seen OMG Scoots or whatever it was. And it's Hotline League episode... There we go. This is my camera. It's Hotline League episode 112. So excited to be here, guys. Actually, a ton of crazy stuff has happened this past week, and we're going to dive into all of it here as we're diving down in the dives at this dive bar of a show. No, I'm just kidding. But we do have somebody from the dive here, and as soon as Kobe gets home to this apartment, I'll, I'll be surrounded by all three members of the dive. So... The real question is, are we on Hotline League or are you just on the dive? I think because I think at this point you're pretty much just on the dive. Well, so I think we should. Do you want to sully this. the dive's name with this quality? Oh, though? that's actually that's actually true. Yeah. Never All right. Mind, let's never see. Mind. Who's it, your it, report of the week, Mark? <laughs> I'm reporting. Hey, that's a good segment. You didn't know it is. Well, I want to talk about the dive in a second, but first off, let me finish introing the show. First off, thank you so much to Alienware for sponsoring Hotline League, not the dive. And uh, really appreciate them. We'll talk more about them as the show goes on. We have Alienware computers on Hotline League, too. Or yeah, the no, dive. it's true. You do. You have the beautiful ones. Mark is here, my constant co-host. How's it going, Mark? Good. Just got back from the show. Went a little late because uh, CLG and Immortals forgot how to win games. Uh, CLG could have literally just ended the game when only Nautilus was up. Uh, and then they let it go for 15 more minutes to lose. So, yeah, a little bit weird. But, you know, we're here now. If you want to know why we're all starting late, blame... CLG. But we are joined today by literally a world champion who has got to be literally tired of that meme already. That's why. Yeah. I've got to say, as far as memes go, I'd rather have a positive one like that, though. You know? It's, That's true. Uh, and it's, the yeah. final and, you know, member it's, it's of just, the dive. Spreading the good word. It's letting everyone know. The final member of the dive about to walk past my doorway. Right there he is. Kobe. Who's can we now? kick you off and get Kobe yeah, on? Kobe, can Kobe get in here and just take your spot? No. We'll just do hotline dive. <laughs> hot, hot dive hot dive line. Dive, dive line league. <laughs> dive line league. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so anyway, great great to see you, Azale. How you been? What's been going on? You were just Good, saying man. as far as as far as memes go, being called literally a world champion over and over again is not a bad way. Yeah, definitely not a, a bad thing. That that is kind of blown up. I didn't expect that to blow up as much as it did. Um, so that's fun. Uh, been working on a lot of Lane Kingdom and stuff, casting, you know, doing some Orin segments. Well, I wanted to talk, by the way, about the dive. You mentioned it, but the dive looking, I actually really like it. In the past, I felt like you guys had, it was like a, a great show, but also very. Oh, you just cut out. A great yeah. show, but what? Oh, I can't hear him at all now. Yeah, can you hear me still? I can hear you. Better. Hello. Yeah. Just me? <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, no. back. Anyway, we're back. Everybody else could hear me. Or Twitch chat could hear me. Right, Twitch chat? Um, I, They're not just trolling me. I'm I'm pretty sure we're good. Anyway, You're fine. You're I, good. I like the dive. And I think you yeah. guys have done a bunch of really cool stuff to it. I like all the segments. And yeah. It's good. It's because uh, we I've kicked been, that loser out and put me in. Yeah. Also, I've been listening to some other some other podcasts. I've been listening to a really funny sports podcast, and I've just been stealing things from them. So don't admit that. That's, no one that's helped to uh, improve the show. What's I think. The, what's the funny sports podcast? Uh, it is. Pardon my take. It's really funny, oh. actually. If you if you like sports, I would uh, I would recommend checking that out. What's they funny? they're. They're more spicy than I think we can be on a Riot podcast, but why? It's well, it's. I mean, 
if you don't know who they are, they're the Barstool guys. So yeah. whack, I used to live in Boston, and Barstool they are was huge. Roasting there. some of their guests and stuff, like while they're on to their face. <laughs> they're they're pretty ridiculous. It's Big Cat's like the main guy there still, right? For that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he, uh, he was always funny. I like PMT commentator and all that. Like they're yeah. com- they, they're like. But I mean, they'll have they'll be having a guy on, and they're just like roasting about his hairline the whole show and stuff. They're just like, just like, damn, like, do you get insecure seeing like your backup quarterback has like gray head of hair, and here your busted ass is, <laughs> like everyone knows you're going bald, <laughs> you know? It's just like they're just roasting their guests, and it's like, damn. You guys got to start doing that. I think that'd be great. Yeah. Although you don't have any guests. Yeah. True. True. Maybe, Maybe we would have guests if we were allowed to roast them. We should, we should photoshop me. someone and pretend they're a guest the whole time. <laughs> Just roast them. If we had Travis room. on, we could definitely roast Travis. Jet, the first year, that's what I was going to say, the first year of the dive, Jet asked me if I wanted to be on the dive sometime. And I was like, sure. He's like, yeah, I think we could have a whole conversation about what it's like to do the media side stuff. And I was like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then he quit his job. And, True, he uh, did quit his job. And so I never got on, and I, I never will be on. I think, and that's was that back in the the audio days. Yeah, we don't we don't do a lot of guests. I like so. I mean, when when Jet when Jet left, when he went to the balance team, obviously Kobe and I kind of had to figure out what we want to do with the show, and we did try doing more of like the idea was because we're like, okay, well, what the hell do we do? Jet's gone. Um, that was you know our our show was started. The idea was Kobe, Jet, and I were always talking about league during the office. Let's just basically stream that, right? And that was supposed to be the show. So when Jet left, we had to kind of think what we wanted to do differently. And we did try, you know, bringing in a lot of lot of pros. We tried uh, kind of rotating hosts and stuff. But I- I've always found when it's more of a consistent three, it's I think it's just like more natural, more relaxed. You kind of get in the rhythm with those people, and at least you just need a consistent two, and then some callers and maybe a guest every now and then. I think that's the best way to host a show. Yeah, just change everything. And then it's put on Skype so you have technical problems every episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It just it brings it, it makes it feel a little bit more authentic, you know, than when these overproduced. That's episodes. scrubbed clean. Yeah, yeah. true. Uh, I did. You no, know, it's been fun having Mark on. I've actually really enjoyed it. So, yeah, yeah. I, I'm happy taking Jet's spot everywhere I can on the analyst <laughs> desk on the far left side. That's true. No, yeah, the dive. Uh, you've got to go for this or that. Take over team I'm by breakdown. I can't wait for the JLXP to die, and I can take that one too. You just start the <laughs> JLXP you know, hosted by Mark the MZXP. <laughs> yeah. Just start the MZXP, man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the podcasting is interesting about guests because people like the idea of guests, and then uh, I was I spoke to some pr- pretty big like podcast agents, and they were talking about how. It's actually most podcasts that are like the most successful, the ones that don't use guests like Joe Rogan is actually more the exception than the rule. And uh, having like Bazeal saying a set three, because a lot about podcasting is like this kind of feel of sitting in with these people discussing. And if there's any awkwardness between the people, like it feels really bad for people sitting in a car to listen to awkwardness. And that's like where podcasting is, is like done the most is when it's done to fill time. So yeah. No guess is is actually the meta, not the other way around. Despite how yeah. esports podcasts do it, I feel like guests guests can definitely work, but some, maybe sometimes guests are good for a segment or things like that. But it's 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 sometimes tough if it ends up feeling like a bit of an interview, which I think is how a lot of the the pro guests sometimes felt because. Mm-hmm. They don't do it, right? They they don't do podcasts. They're not on it week to week. They don't have the same rapport with each I'm other. I'm not as good that, as friends with them as that, I am with you. Yeah, exactly, right? Like so, some some of them you're 
you have more of a personal relationship with and you feel comfortable like making fun of them and going back and forth and taking shots others you don't really know that well so it's kind of like ooh, can i actually say this and yeah. you don't really want to so it ends up being like so what do you think about this mark why did you do that you know and it kind of turns into an interview sometimes but yeah uh they definitely can work out well also i, I see the copy pasta in the chat i respect it <laughs> i uh, before so a couple different things before we get into the show uh now that we've we've talked about podcasts on a podcast for quite some time uh i think lots to talk about this week uh clg getting their second win pole belter maybe their match tonight which was still pretty painful but at least they they had a chance of winning it uh tsm losing i think is fascinating golden yeah. guardian like the, the immortal it's seems like they're fascinating in uh, Immortals feels like they're in free fall. Team yep. Liquid winning 2-0 during a rough split with a, a sub ADC and what that means. Uh, I don't know. Am I missing any of the big stories? Nope. It's time for you to find a new best friend to milk for interviews. Tactical. Tactical. <laughs> Friendship ended with just, double. Just a, one, a one-to-one replacement. I think that's, <laughs> exactly. really, that's really the a cleanest way to do it. Pictures of us hanging out. No yeah, one just, just Photoshop him in, you know. He can, start, he can start telling the doublelift story about how he's homeless and started living with you, and you know, you should you should just still put doublelift in the title, but you're actually interviewing tactical. No one will know. <laughs> yeah. Farm the views. I, Jesus, I, uh, I, I want. I have a little mini rant before. Uh, Travis, able... he knows all. His YouTube's gonna tank now. Doublelift, you know, no longer a starter. It's all over for Travis. This just is a, a, this a is slow a long... descent into this, into this is his Patreon rant. Yeah, <laughs> I just think people don't do enough to support independent content creators. Uh, no, uh, similar, kind of similar, but uh, Azale, I understand if you want to take a backseat to this rant because it's the thing that Mark and I constantly talk about. But I'm a little sad this week because I think it's a little bit of a bummer that Riot is closing down their their game boards. I don't know if people saw this, but they're shutting down their forums and apparently getting rid of their archives too, which I think is a whole different thing. Maybe I'll do a video on it, but. I'm also really disappointed because right after they did that, last night they announced Valorant and they created the Valorant subreddit and then they gave control of it to the League of Legends mods. And there was a time where I defended the League of Legends mods because I was like, well, it's really difficult. And But man, have they just been god-awful for the past year and making decisions that the community doesn't really care about, and overall just bringing down the subreddit. I think that the most recent decision to allow just like straight up gameplay clips that get really bad. Like right now there's a, a clip on the front page that's got that's been up for seven hours and has seven comments on it. Like the, the subreddit I feel like is just kind of in free fall. And I'm really disappointed that Riot decided that the best thing to do was to hand over the brand new subreddit to the exact same people. So I didn't, I haven't been looking at comments actually. Um, but now that I'm scrolling through them. Yeah. Oh, on the league subreddit. Yeah. Cause I, I usually just kind of like my eyes glance over it. No, I think the league subreddit is like, I, I think an interesting thing. Somebody who's smarter than I am could scrape and look at all the comments on those videos and also compare like engagement on the subreddit versus like, I'm sure there's way more upvotes, right? Cause people click that link and then they just upvote it. It's why like the overwatch subreddit is 
just filled with yeah. gameplay clips. But and and I I like the gameplay clips honestly. I like being able to go on there and just find some random shit that's like, oh, that's cool. I like seeing this. But and I wouldn't have a problem with it if there wasn't also the. I mean, I don't want to go too hard on the mod thing again because I have. Eh, I've realized that my words can create work for people who I don't want to create work for. Uh, if it was I don't know just what that me, means, but yeah, I know that's kind of big, but. Uh, what I will say is I feel like, and this was kind of what I've said before, is that there's too much attention paid to the letter of the law versus the spirit of it. Um, where like the appreciation post for Countdown's game show did not have the arbitrary 500 character limits that appreciation posts need to be considered quality content. So it got taken down. Why, like, the, does the quality really go up with the extra input from the original post if the discussion is good, you know? And rather than be like, okay, this one's only 340, but it's good. We can leave it. They're like, 500 rule, delete, you know? And it's like, just... Like, they always talk about how much work it is to, like, if they would were to manually do this for everything on the front page, but the front page is 25 posts, and the second page is 25 posts. Like, realistically, you're scanning 50 or something. I don't think it's that hard to do because you can just ignore the shit appreciation posts that don't get any upvotes and aren't overwhelming the subreddit. I don't know. Anyways, my point is, it feels bad to Travis's point when you see something with no interaction with seven upvotes up on the subreddit when you pulled down something that was getting hundreds in the first hour or a couple hours as people liked that thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I have probably a bit of a different outlook because I literally just don't reread it. <laughs> yeah. Azale's uh, next level brain. What, on what do you do? Actually, it's like a, so part of the, the problem I run into Azale is like, I like engaging with the community, reading the comments, not always about me. Like, uh, let's be clear here. I had like a 5,000 upvoted Reddit thread just talking about how I literally don't know how to do my job. And yet, yeah. I still like... It was over 500. What's that? So it was over 500 characters, so it's oh, a good... Yeah, that's true, that's true. <laughs> uh, quality content. But I even with all that, I love the subreddit. And people will say it's because you know I get a ton of views from there. It's not true. Actually, I get... Like last year, I got less than 5% of my traffic. Yeah, from, it's really small. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't drive very much. But the conversation is quite good. And that's why like I, I actually feel passionate about it. So back to my question, Zale, is like, are there alternative places you can go to like see community conversation or... You know what I mean? Like I just... I like that, that interaction. And uh, so Twitter, right? So yeah. So I mean, I spend a lot of time on Twitter. Uh, I think I I get a lot of community interaction from that. I mean, I respond to like almost everyone who tweets me, unless it's just like a I don't know something that doesn't warrant responding to, I guess. But so for me, like the reason I st I stopped reading the league subreddit is because I think it is very like vitriolic and it can be very very hateful, and I think that. My issue with the League subreddit is that I don't think they see League personalities and pros as people. They see them as like a product. And so they, they comment on it without taking into consideration like how it affects those people or pros. And I have just seen like, it's, it's such like a cycle to me on Reddit where Reddit will love me and then they will just absolutely loathe me for a while. And then it'll maybe go back to to loving me again and it's just kind of this circle right and 
I feel like I've seen so many people so heavily affected by it where, you know, they maybe maybe you weren't torn apart by getting roasted on Reddit, but I have literally seen multiple, you know, casters and personalities and people brought to tears by some of the things said to them on Reddit. I have seen people go the absolute opposite side of it where they are getting an enormous ego because of things said on Reddit. And to me, it's just like, it was just really unhealthy for my mental health. And, you know, whether whether they were being really nice to me or not, they're always roasting someone that like I am friends with or know personally. And it just felt bad for me to always read all the negativity. Uh, it's always kind of like giving with one hand and taking away with the other. It's very rarely, as I think most people know, just saying like, Mark is a great, a great analyst. It's like, Mark's a great analyst, and that makes it so obvious that Jad is dog shit, right? And it's like it's always phrased kind of like in that Where way. Where I upload that one? Um, so it's it's I I've just basically found that I can get the that discussion at work. I can get that discussion on Twitter. Uh, as far as feedback and stuff, I have people that I trust and ask for feedback. And for the most part, I feel confident in knowing like what I'm good at, what I'm bad at, and if someone's gonna roast me on Reddit for something that's like you know, I'm bad at, I probably already know about it and I'm working on it. And if I don't, someone will tell me. So like I, I use, uh, there's like a lolly sports sub that links a lot of articles and stuff. And I, you know, I use that to keep up with articles. I follow a lot of content creators and stuff on, on Twitter that I follow. And yeah, I mean, I talk about league all day at work and on Twitter. So I just don't feel like I'm really out of the loop or on anything, but I feel much more even keel as a result of, of kind of not going through this like cycle of up and down uh, along with how, how Reddit is feeling about me or my coworkers or, or LCS or Riot in general. Right, and, so I'm uh, looking at the LOL Esports subreddit. Cause I, I, hasn't, I know people have talked about it, but I haven't been here in a while. My biggest concern with this looking at it is I don't see any of my interviews on the subreddit. That is the everybody else's none of my stuff. I was going to say, the other thing too is because so many people do use Reddit that like, I know I am constantly like pre-show dive. I'm like, hey, Isaac, did you see this on Reddit? And of course the answer is no, but I still ask him anyways. <laughs> and then I'll, I'll tell him what it was anyways. So like, he still kind of gets like the top big story headlines that might not, like, I don't know. There's so yeah. many people talking about that you're still looped into the conversations, even if you're not actually reading the comments or something. Yeah, totally. And and if if someone's roasting roasting me on Reddit and it's for a legitimate reason, someone will be like, "Hey, did you see this thing? This person saying you're saying this too much, or you're doing this thing wrong, or maybe people are are liking this this type of segment that you did. Do more of that." You know, it's it's not as though I am not getting like getting the general TLDR. I've just found like last year I was thinking a lot about the longevity of casting and just careers in esports, and so many people in esports come come and go so quickly it feels like and i think part of the reason is people people burn out and people are really really stressed all the time and that's true for the majority of people uh, i don't know if i actually asked you mark but i asked a ton of different people you know basically could you see yourself doing doing the same job in say like 30 35 years because most of the casting team is like 30 plus right and so if average age of retirement is 65 could you do the same job at the same like level of stress and stuff you know for 30 35 years and almost almost everyone i talked to was saying no like instantly and people just felt like they're too stressed out they're too concerned about about things going on it's always on their mind and so and i, I felt like that was true for me so for me I, I very consciously last year tried to make a change as far as reducing the things that were stressing me out, making myself be like more okay with uh, 
you know, being like out of out of touch with maybe some of the little goings on with Reddit, you know, with the the knowledge that someone's going to catch me up on it, or I can find out about things from other sources and stuff like that. And just trying to think long term about this because I, I love esports. It's been my literally my entire adult life, and I want to be in esports until I retire. So you know, I need to think about making it sustainable for myself, and a lot of that is kind of protecting your mental health as well as your physical health. Yeah. That's well played, or well said, I think. I think that's a, a really good point. Well played, gamer. <laughs> However, I stand by my disappointment that Riot handed off the Valorant subreddit to the same folks who are running the League of Legends subreddit because I just feel like they they just don't they don't get it. I miss the old I hate I miss the old mods. Anyway, let's let's get into some calls. Mark, you wanna explain how the show works? Yeah, if you've never been on the show before, it's a live call-in show, believe it or not. And if you want to get on, you have to go and join the Discord that I'm spamming Twitch chat with right now. When you get there, join Pleb Calls, uh, the voice channel. Uh, there's also Pleb Calls, too, or Sub Calls. Uh, and then in the Pleb Topics or tech, uh, Subtopic text channel, you will go ahead and post whatever it is you want to talk about. Hopefully it's a take, like TSM is doomed and they're not going to make Worlds again this year. Uh, if we like your take, I will pull you from the Pleb Calls voice channel into the waiting room where you will hang out until it's your turn. We'll do a quick audio check in there, and then assuming it's all gravy, you'll be on the Very good. And if you are a sub, first off, thank you for being a sub. I see a bunch of people subbing right now, including Whoopley, who just subbed eight months. Thank you, Whoopley. Fantastic individual on the Riot Games player staff. Anyway. Uh, but either way, when, if you do sub, you can sync that with your Discord and you can ask, access the subtopics chat, which moves a little bit slower, gives you a bit of a better chance of coming on the show. Anywho, Mark, you want to go grab our first caller? Yeah, give me one second. A lot of people on the, a lot of familiar faces in the chat today. Good to see everybody. Missed you all. Good, a lot of, lot of familiar, familiar faces. And uh, while we're waiting for that, I up my volume a bit because after everybody told me my volume was fine at the start of the show, other people started complaining about it. So, uh, blank twenty seven, thank you. D three lug three, thank you for the two months. Bruise three G, thank you for the two months. Monk of Mahir, Clam Hands, Ronald Dinho, Tan Mender, uh, Sixty Edges sent five hundred bits. I think that's how you say that. And we've got our first caller here. Caller, where are you calling from? I'm calling from Regina, Saskatchewan. Regina, Saskatchewan. I believe that's in Canada. Yeah, Prairie, Canada, right in the middle. And I believe Azale is also from Canada. You believe correctly. Are you, are you, is that is Saskatchewan anywhere close to where you're from? No, not really. Travis, are you avoiding saying our, our caller's name for some reason? What? Are you avoiding saying our caller's name? Did you say it? No, I don't believe so. Anyway, who's call, who's, caller, who's what do you caller? want to talk about on the show tonight? Hashtag Capra Kobe is the caller. <laughs> um, so my take is that C9 looks really good right now. Um, but I think, and I think that they will go undefeated. But I think that they wouldn't go undefeated if it wasn't so tight in the middle of the soup right now. Uh, and because of that, it's not worth it for teams to prepare for them. Uh, I think that this was especially proved this week, thanks to the interviews before the FlyQuest and Dignitas games. Uh, in the FlyQuest one, I think it was Curry who uh, responded to Tigress asking if they had prepared anything special for C9. And he pretty much immediately like tried to downplay it and be like, no, we didn't really prepare anything. And then the Dignitas draft was like hilarious. It was like, you know, all these 
comfort picks that I think were really obviously, you know, not a prepared, you know, synergistic uh, team comp to try and take down C9. It was just like, oh, let's pick whatever. The interviewer extraordinaire Ovli also chimed in and said, all coaches say that, though, kind of about every match, about, oh, we didn't really prepare something special. Sometimes if you have a really whack draft, they'll be like, yeah, we cooked this up. But yeah, I think that makes sense. I think it makes sense to like not try and prepare for either like easy matches or hard matches the like more because the hard matches obviously they matter more but they're gonna be hard so it's like not worth it to prepare but like i felt like his response was particularly like really trying to downplay it like he he just Mm. like fully backed off on it Hmm. i I would actually say that the dignitas draft tonight looked like they did do that because it was cloud nine though so I, I don't know what they actually did or how much time they spent preparing this, but he said they, they were preparing Ignitelution, which to me seems about as risky of a pick as you can do. And that felt like throwing a Hail Mary because you're playing against Cloud9, right? And you're trying something really risky because, hey, the payoff is maybe you actually beat the best team in the league and the downside is you lose. Well, guess what? You were going to lose anyway. So I felt like that was, was kind of taking a, a shot at C9. And I still think that, teams are like whether or not you have a specific draft prepared for them i think when you are at the top of the league and when you're clearly the best team especially teams like tl and tsm and and the ones that are are trying to compete for a championship are naturally going to be looking towards them more and trying to be thinking about holes in their play so and i think uh i I do agree with the caller a little bit like in terms of prepping could be like oh we thought up a cool draft to try and, and get a win but i definitely don't think you should be like hard spamming that draft in scrims for a week to to make it optimally practice because then you're probably not preparing or like you're not focusing on improving you're focusing on you know quote unquote cheesing c9 which is probably not the best use of your time like you're saying when you're in the struggle so much to to try and climb above these other teams uh that said (laughs) that was a draft that like was like halfway there for me uh, whereas like, okay, the Ignite Lucian top with Elise to like turbo pressure top, but then they didn't really have too much else going on with the Anivia and the Jinx TK to make me feel like it was quite volatile enough because it was just all in on top side. Whereas I would have liked to have just seen like three super sketch, like all in lanes, kind of like, um, EG did that one game against, I think it was FlyQuest. It might've been Immortals. Uh, where they had like LeBlanc, Lucian bot lane, and some other crap top to go super aggro. Uh, because, it, I mean, first off, Licorice played so well. Like, it's it's hard yeah. to notice in, in the Lucian matchup when you're not getting any help. But Grig was up there all the time, sitting behind his turret, trying to camp him. He traded flashes evenly with Huni and baited out the Ignite. He TP'd bot lane to um, just relieve some pressure when, when there was some down there. Uh, his team swapped up topside at the right time. Instead of going top to protect Bla- uh, Aatrox from getting dove, Blabber went bot lane to get his bot lane priority so that they could swap up for the Rift Herald, and they were able to grab that one. Like, the entire team, I mean, I'm putting a lot on Licorice, but obviously the entire team was actually really, really smart about where to send people to negate the the game plan. It was, it was, just, it was super impressive. Yeah, I think um, to Azale's point, yeah, I think that that draft was a Hail Mary, and it was obviously real attempt to take down C9. Um, but I think like like Mark said, it obviously like wasn't practiced. It wasn't like perfectly thought out, right? Like it wasn't all there. And like so obviously they weren't like preparing that draft specifically uh in scrims. It was just, you know, an idea, not so much a a, a real strong preparation. 
I mean, sorry, yeah. the initial take that you had, caller, was that people that will not know, will not try as hard to beat C9. Well, yeah, that uh, you know, if you have a week coming up where you're facing uh, EG and C9, you're going to spend most of the week preparing for EG because that match matters more uh, mm. than taking down C9, and taking down C9 is probably impossible anyway. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I guess the impossible thing is just kind of a strange take for me because while C9 looks like they're way ahead of the curve, I feel like all these other teams are catching up, right? Like, I, one of the things I was talking to Niski about in this interview I just did with them like an hour ago was that it, it, it like, Team Liquid looked pretty solid this weekend with a sub, and it does feel like they are catching up, right? And so I think that... I mean, in some cases, like, Immortals is definitely not catching up, right? They're falling behind. But it does feel like there are teams that are starting to be able to nip at the heels of C9 and, and will get better over the next couple of weeks. So you're right, like, there's a world where they don't, like, C9 just goes undefeated. But I do think it is interesting because I, I do feel like the rest of the LCS is starting to catch up. Do you guys disagree I, with that? I'm actually kind of curious, Mark. I, I, I disagree though. with that. You think I, nobody's I think, catching up? I think, I think Cloud9, maybe other teams are improving, but... There's nothing to indicate that the gap is closing because Cloud9 is looking so much better than every other team. Not only are they way more consistent overall, they win every fucking game in 30 minutes. It's actually insane. Like, I, I, I don't think we've ever had a team that has been that dominant as far as consistently winning games. None of them ever look close. Almost every single one is closed out with First Baron. Yesterday was, I guess, Second Baron, but that was because First Baron was at like 22 minutes or something. But they look so much better than every other team that it's it's almost like you could say they're staying stagnant or something, but it's almost like they're stagnant at near perfect, right? Uh, they haven't had a single game where I really want to criticize much of anything. Yeah. And I don't think they're like resting on their laurels. It's not like, uh, I, I made this point in the desk, but it's not like it's Zyra, Rumble, Ash. Zach, every game, like uh, old, like when C9 was really dominant when they first burst out on the scene, like there's a Morgana game in there, there's Zoe, here's a Pantheon. It's it's like a lot of different looks, and they're doing a lot of different things. So I I think it looks pretty good. To Azale's point, only Team Liquid is really stepping up. They've already shown FlyQuest isn't catching them. Uh, Team Liquid's close, and they have the last game of the season, uh, but TSM's taking steps to nowhere they're just kind of running in circles i guess i don't know so i think um i'm calling the only, the 18-0 as well the only three teams that look like they're really like moving up the standings or like moving up right now are golden guardians clg and tl and of those three like i don't think gg like they all they play all those three teams still c9 does um but i don't think ggs or clg really have a solid shot at taking down C9, so I think it's just it's going to come down to like that last game. Watch as CLG just just <laughs> comes in, takes their only other win against Cloud9. No, uh, yeah. okay. Question for uh, Sale and Mark then to the caller's point: Do you bother spending much time trying to prepare for C9? I I honestly just don't think very many teams prepare spe really specific strategies for individual teams during the regular season. Most teams are just looking at whatever their holistic problems are and just trying to play pretty well. I think if it's like you're way above every other team or something and there's only one team that can challenge you, then sure, maybe you do that, right? Um, 
you know, if, if TL wins every single game until they play C9 next time, then they're probably doing a specific game plan. But in general, I think, and maybe this is partly what the caller's point was, it, like, unless you're way above everyone else, you spend your time just trying to fix all your individual problems instead of prepping a specific strategy for a specific team. That's more of a playoffs thing, usually. You, you don't think teams are prepping, like, pick and ban strategies? Like, no, oh, they do target- that. But that's but, that's like the night before the coach is like, all right, well, what did they play? Okay, we're gonna ban, we're gonna plan out our first round mm. of, of picks and bans and stuff, and then they maybe have diverging strategies. But like, I don't think they're spending the whole week being like, all right, let's see like all their tendencies and and practice specific strategies that we think are gonna be able to exploit that. I mean, so for us on on Thursday, we would have a, our initial pick ban meeting. That would be like, this is our general idea for. Usually our first game of the week, maybe both. Maybe if there was a bigger one that we want to spend more time on, we would we would do it then. And then we would spend Friday trying to get that draft and the different variations. But that's like one day of practice out of four of team practice um, that you're really doing that. And to, to Isaac's point and the caller's point, like if I'm doing that, even if I, some teams probably aren't doing that and they just want to keep, keep focusing. Like even if you are doing that, that one team you're picking is probably not C9. So do you, yeah, it, yeah. Sound, it sounds like both you guys believe in the 18-0 C9 narrative. I, I think there's a good chance for them to go 18-0, but I also don't think you have to be as good of it as a team to beat them. It's it's a best of one, right? right. I think that there's a, a decent shot that they lose, and I don't even think it has to be to a top team necessarily. I think that you know if, if they have a really shit game, then then that can happen. I mean, I think it's that... The thing that makes you feel like they're going to go 18-0 is the fact that they're almost always winning all three lanes, right? And then it's like, even if one lane has a really bad game, then you can maybe get away with that. If the other two lanes are winning, it's not necessarily just going to be boom. But, you know, I, I think it's it's definitely possible that they win. And when you look at, you know, TSM in the past when they had their 17 wins and Immortals and stuff, like, they lost to unexpected teams. TSM lost to Phoenix 1 off of that, like, Inori Rengar game where he got however many kills, I don't know, 12, 14, whatever, some, some insane amount. And no one would have really predicted that. So I, I think it can, can definitely happen. All right. Uh, did, uh, any other follow-ups, caller? Uh, no, yeah, I think uh, that was part of my point, what you guys were saying earlier, is that the teams in that middle have so many problems that it's hard for them to prepare for teams specifically. And it is, you know, just a lot about fixing all those problems. A lot of these teams, even TL, I mean, they're still coming together as a team, so they can't really prepare for a C9. Maybe by the end of the t- split they can, but yeah. Either way. Thanks so much for the call. Anything you want to say before we move on to the next caller? Um, Shoutouts to the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and Super Smash Brothers Melee for the Nintendo GameCube. <laughs> That's my dude. Good shout out. <laughs> Have a good one. Bye. All right, moving on. I love that. Bye. Bye. Well, yeah, I I caught him. I transferred <laughs> was him as he was as he. I was kicking him out the door as he said bye. I feel bad. One more. Yeah. Game or girlfriend subscribed. Uh, ladder slider for ten months. Arcane archer. Spencer twelve nine two. Vormer Milliman. Parakini Munsalicious for eighteen months. Cable fifty five. Whoopley, Tacosaurus Rex, Smoke Dog, Pilgrim Panda for nine months, and Wild LOL for 16 months says, Hello from Seoul. We staying healthy, boys. Everybody stay healthy. Are you staying healthy, Azale? Trying my best. Good job. Been washing my hands with soap a lot. Yeah. That's the way. That's what you got to do. I love that Mark is. There he is. Okay. We've got our next caller. EGX is here. EGX, where are you calling from? I'm calling from uh, Houston, Texas. Houston, Texas. What do you want to talk about on the show tonight? 
my take is that TSM is another first round exit this year. And uh, I think that it's time to address the problem where uh, double or sorry, uh, Bjergsen is the problem ever since WF has left. And my proof is that this season he's uh, second to last in DPM and last in team gold percentage, even though he's been in like the top five for gold difference and uh, XP differential at 10. And I think the meta is shifting to more proactive mid, like where uh, Duin B has been doing with, uh, with, um, uh, FPX. Yeah, FPX, there you go. And then even within the uh, LCS, Niski has been get, been able to do it pretty successfully. Uh, and I think it's time for Bjergsen. I mean, he, he hasn't seemed to as uh, just as well as he as these uh, comrades in um, in the LCS. So, yeah. Bjergsen so, uh, is the problem. When, by the way, when we said first round exit, are you talking about in playoffs? Yeah, in playoffs. Okay. So there's so, there's two takes. It's it's the outcome and the reason. Yeah. Right. So uh, I, I will I will say it at least I think gold percentage is is such a garbage stat like that that doesn't mean anything right you know the the percentage of your team's gold that you have in unless Bjergsen is actually CSing poorly it's it's just pretty much irrelevant it's it's how they're allocating their gold I'd also say you know he played Orn mid he played Maokai mid you know and and if you're talking about I think you're conflating a couple different things because if you're going to talk about team gold percentage and say Bjergsen's bad because he doesn't have a lot, but also Doombee's really good because he's proactive, Doombee actually has really low stats as far as like gold share and these types of things because that's generally what happens if you're being proactive on the map, if you're moving around the map. So the Zoe game that Bjergsen just played this last weekend, for example, he, I'm sure, had absolute garbage stats as far as as far as gold share goes and everything because he was down farm from roaming the whole time and the roams didn't work out and you can criticize that and say hey you should have done a better job with that or if the roams weren't going to work you should have stayed in lane but if you're arguing for someone to be proactive and also saying you suck because you don't have a lot of gold share then those two things are at odds with each other yeah sure. and i'm oh, sorry go ahead i was gonna say gold share also kind of works with like kills and stuff as well like you know if someone's funneling kills and you like gold share the lowest person in the league for mid laners is niski you know and he's also the most proactive roamer in the league to azale's point he's constantly sacking farm in the midway to get people ahead he interview him he talks about this so like i think uh the gold share thing doesn't bother me too much neither does the dpm uh, they are playing long games and whatnot, but if, if his champ pool is influencing it, it's really important to look at that. Uh, you know, he's if Maokai didn't do anything, Maokai in a good game probably is DPM is not that insane either. So, sure. I'm, I, I I'm, mean, I'm, oh, sorry, go ahead. All right. I was just to say, like, those things don't hold much water for me. I mean, the whole Bjergsen's the problem, I don't think it's true, but like, I wouldn't look to those stats to be the reason why to build my case on if I wanted. Well, to. let's let's go back to his original take, which is TSM first round exit. Uh, I mean, I th I think that's not like an incredibly hot take. They're six and six halfway through the split, right? So, could could they lose in, in quarters? I think with the level that they showed this weekend, they could hundred percent lose in quarters. I had felt like they were really making some strides. I think that they have shown that they're kind of more hot and cold though right it's like two a week oh two week and i think that they're having some recurring issues that are more concerning you know you're, you're less willing to give i guess forgiveness or whatever for for some of the recurring issues when you're six weeks into the season now so 
I think a lot of it just depends how, how they shape up these last couple of weeks because I think they've shown some really good games and some really poor games throughout the season. And that seems to stay pretty consistent. But I mean, they're six and six right now. I think if they end, end the split, you know, like 50-50 and they're playing around the same level that they are now, then saying that they don't go to top four, I think is totally reasonable, right? Like there's a number of teams that I think could beat them in their current form in a best of five. Um, if Bjergsen's not the problem, what is? Uh, I mean, we're not that in tune with exactly everything going on with that team. Um, TSM has a history of finishing strong. Sometimes they also, in recent years, have not had that. Uh, Twitch chat is all I, spamming coaching staff right now. Coaching staff. So, I, I don't know. Are you want to say something? I was just going to say the stuff with the draft, like, so par- partially, like I know at least publicly and sometimes what, what is said publicly and what it, what will be told to you privately if you talk to a player is different, but I, at least publicly, they're saying that they just want to try things and they're experimenting with different styles. And if that is truly what is happening and people are bought in, I don't really have an issue with them experimenting with Maokai mid and trying this more difficult execute stuff like the, the Pantheon Talia game where they did, you know, Talia mid and Pantheon jungle and these comps that are more hard to execute on because if you are truly just experimenting and you're able to make the playoffs and then you can play whatever style is OP at that given time, you know, based on the meta, like it's easy to flame Bjergsen for, for playing Maokai mid. I actually think that comp wasn't that bad and, and, you know, like their top half of the map all being things that were weak early game, I think was more problematic than the pick in isolation. You know, it's like you have Kale Sedge, Wani, Maokai topside where you're not going to be able to do anything early game. I think maybe, you know, you have some proactivity. Like if you have Olaf paired with the Maokai, all of a sudden you could actually have gank assist and, and punish people early on, things like that. And tanks are getting stronger and stronger. So it's like if tanks are going to be able to peak on playoffs, so well, then hey, maybe it's nice that Bjergsen's actually practicing this stuff. Yeah, I think... Um... I think you can make a point that by trying so many weird things, you are spending so much time learning that stuff that you lose out on fundamentals. It was something I, I raised as a potential problem yeah. on JLXP. And I think that's something that on the outside, we will have a hard time determining um, because we're not seeing the the 95% more games that they play over the week in scrims. Uh, and we don't get to hear the comms and, and whatnot. Uh so I'm I'm sort of on the same page. I think the getting eliminated in the first round heavily comes down to matchups because right now there's three good teams and there's not a fourth. There's Team Liquid who's going to be good. They're improving. There's FlyQuest and then there's C9. And if TSM finish fourth, then they play fifth. And if fifth isn't good, like, you know, Dig or Golden Guardians if or 100 Thieves, whoever ends up being fifth, if they don't shape up as well, it's not like TSM's at a disadvantage because a lot of teams are struggling in the LCS right now. Yeah. Sorry, I'm True. just distracted by all these the petting zoo here. Get yours. Yeah. yeah, go get your cat that Kobe wants. <laughs> Run out to the adoption place right now. I spent the weekend with somebody and their cat and it didn't inspire me to get a cat. Or want a cat in my home. Do you see this? What about a dog? Definitely not. Dogs are even more work. But look how cute Stitch was. Uh, they're cute, but I don't necessarily... EGX, uh, do you think we handled you your conversation around work, Travis? TSM? Does this the make you feel like it's less... It's love. EGX, do you feel like we... Oh, wait, I muted you. Sorry. Because you, <laughs> you, were, you were making some, some random noises uh, through your microphone. 
what uh, I think typing or something, but my question is, do you feel as though we addressed your Bjergsen as the problem thing, or do you still feel Bjergsen's the problem? Uh, I, I mean, he's only looked comfortable on two champions this uh, this split, which is Syndra and the Orn, which is like a broken champion. So, I mean, even if you compare him to someone like Power of Evil, who you would say uh, their teams aren't really that different. I mean, like, we, I think Mark said he put Dardoch in his uh, first team or second team and uh, Broken Blade as well. I mean, when you compare the two, the only difference is. I would say between the mid, uh, the mid, uh, the way the the mid lane can affect the map. So I mean, I would still say the Bjergsen is like a bigger problem. Yeah, I mean, I think I think I, I would I would say that Bjergsen's play I don't think is a problem. Whether or not Bjergsen is like a systemic problem that is like you know having undue influence on on how they play the game or the coaching staff or something like that, and that's a problem. I can't speak to because I don't really know. Um, I, I generally think when I watch Bjergsen play that he's playing very well. I think that you know people were really critical of his of his last Zoe game, but are quick to forget his absolute pop off Zoe game earlier in the split. I still think that individually he plays well. Um, I've been I've been a little bit surprised about how how no one talks about their their bot lane at all. I think their bot lane is solid, but it's kind of interesting because I felt like Zven got flamed all the time when he was on for TSM doing for doing nothing. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like Kabe is just Zven on TSM. It's literally the same. There's there's almost no difference, right? And sure. Kabe is is a consistent team fighter in the late game. He's not making a massive amount of mistakes, but isn't that exactly what Zven did? You know, so I'm kind of not saying that he is the at fault, but it was just interesting to me that I haven't seen any TSM fans really attacking Kabe, but kind of blasting Zven for, for playing the same way. Um, I think that one of the things that I, I did really like about TSM is how they're playing around topside, and I think that as a result, you know, your mid lane is going to be emphasized somewhat less. Like Most of Darok's time is spent around playing playing with Broken Blade and playing around topside, and I think Bjergsen has, has had a number of picks that are sacrificing for the team and also a number of games where he's roaming and sacrificing waves to play for the team. And if that's the game plan and, you know, your teammates are not then making use of those advantages, then it's not necessarily on you. Uh, you know, but a, like he's played Zillion, he's played multiple tanks mid, he's playing all these all these games where he's roaming constantly in top lane. So it's like, maybe that's a game plan issue or maybe that's an execution issue, but still individually, I, I, I do think he's good. But I think as far as I'm getting knocked out first round, it's it's possible. EGX, thanks so much for calling. Anything you want to say before we move on to a break? Uh, shout out to Alienware. Thank you so much. Have thanks. a good one. Speaking of Alienware, Azale, feel free to go grab a drink. Mark, uh, I would say interact with your cats, but you do that all the time anyway. Because it's time for us to talk about Alienware. Yes, our sponsor for the show. Sponsor for so many things. Uh, I'm surrounded by Alienware things in my home right now and i uh i just i gotta say i'm very happy about that i i, I gotta say it's it's fantastic right now they're giving away let me just make sure that they're still doing it uh it should be alienware.com slash travis alienware.com slash travis you head over there right now and you'll see a big banner at the top that says enter for a chance to win an alienware 25 gaming monitor and the new aurora r9 go do me a favor go to that link because if you go to that link I'm going to look really good. All right. And that's really what we need to be man maxing around. And as a bonus to that, you might win a monitor and a desktop. 
enter the giveaway. Do me a favor. It's got it's got an i9 9900K in it, RTX 2070 Super, an SSD. It's a beautiful thing. Plus their monitor is a 240 hertz display. They've got a bunch of cool stuff over there. Maybe you won't win, so maybe you should go buy some stuff. Uh, go take a look at their stuff. Even if you don't decide to buy, just clicking through the link and checking out their stuff is is actually very helpful for me. We're actually working right now. I don't know if I should be saying this. This is a bit of a secret, but it's more of a big well, deal for me than secrets. it is for you guys. But uh, this whole page, this alienware.com slash Travis page, soon it's going to have a picture of me on it and maybe a video. It's going to feel very Travisy, which I think will only make all of you want to visit it more frequently. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> you'll, <laughs> you, okay, you okay over there, Mark? I don't want to go to an alienware site if your face is on it. they sponsor us and we need the money so i can pay you oh i, lo you, I love them i'm just saying i don't love you you don't buy kobe a cat you know i just i don't know if it's a good idea for us to have a cat right now look speaking of cat there's a cat zale just brought a cat look all i'm saying is i don't want to talk about cats i want to talk about alienware alienware.com slash travis you can also save 10 percent off on your order travis 10 off at checkout, it's fantastic. They do a bunch of cool stuff for for League of Legends. I know I've been talking about this before. I know you guys have heard this whole spiel of football before, but I just like it is really phenomenal the stuff that that I'm able to do because of their support and uh, all the content that you watch would not be possible without them. So thank you so much to Alienware for supporting Hotline League. Go check out Alienware.com/travis and uh, and pretty soon, by the way, I'm going to hook up Avali with with a computer. That's one of the things that we're talking about an Alienware computer. Her and I have been chatting about that. So. Either way, thanks everyone. I like the dog is just hanging out there too. It's just, That's because they're great animals. There's three animals on the screen. Let's move on to the next caller. Shall we? This, okay. cat, this cat for Kobe thing is just, it's gone It's gone a little far. Wild Times, thank you for the tier one. Mac to Ace, tier three. Love to see it. Four months in a row. Simba Kid, easy stay safe, and Hooge. You everyone for your subs. Feel free, feel free to get some subs in, everybody. You gotta love it to see it. Wild Z is here. Wild Z, where are you calling from? Hi, I'm calling from uh, Friendswood, Texas. From Tex, where in Texas? Friendswood. Where's that? It's a little kind of hobunk Mormon town near Houston. Okay. Are you gonna try to go to finals? I will be absolutely. Okay. Nice. Oh, it's near a place called League City. Friendswood is. Yes. <laughs> and I really, right now, I really wish we had had spring finals in League City because that just seems True. like such a great place to have the League of Legends finals. True. If, if only there was space in League City. It's actually pretty small. It's pretty small. I'm looking, yeah. I'm looking at it right now. It looks like they it's... might, they might have been able to make it work. I don't know. Okay. Whatever. What do you want to talk about? All right. So I've got it written. So there will be no qualms. All right. Due to the tragic and unforeseen events to the coronavirus and lack of practice by LPL and now LCK, international events will not matter this year, even if they show up. And a Western win at MSI or Worlds this year will be on the same net level as the Fnatic Worlds win. Oof. Uh, I'm hard to disagree with that. I think I think the, the fact that they haven't played as many stage games, I think, affects MSI a bit. I think that they are still practicing. 24-7. The LPL teams are still grinding. They are 
now doing like online scrims. LPL is going to be resumed uh, online. I don't think it actually makes much of a difference personally. They they did have you know a couple weeks that they missed, but they also go on holiday for I, I excuse me if I'm wrong. I want to say it's like a month. It's a really long time for Chinese New Year, so they didn't miss as much as I think people think. And they're going to have an entire summer split plus most of a spring split to play. LPL plays an enormous amount of games. I still think those teams are going to be just as high level as they normally would be. Uh, so, I mean, I don't think it's comparable at all to the to the Fnatic, Fnatic Season 1 because they didn't even have a server at that point, right? It's like, I, th- I think it's pretty hard to compare. I think the MSI one is, is more of a reasonable take, but comparing Worlds to, to Fnatic Season 1, I, I don't think... I don't think that makes sense. I, uh, you almost got me because I love complaining about season one and calling it worlds. So you almost, you, you want me to, you kind of have me, but, um, I agree with, with Isaac hearing him say, you know, how bad it was back then that it's, it's still not that bad because at least they have their own server and league to practice on. That said, I do think for me, I would, I would have to take these with a massive grain of salt and an asterisk depending on, when those leagues can start back up again. Um, I'm kind of sad because I feel like I'm really excited about Cloud9 and how good I think they are. But if I'm being honest and they go to MSI and they win, I would, I would put an asterisk on it personally. I'd be like, yeah, that's kind of that's kind of sus. Uh, I would also then, you know, depending on what happens with Worlds, if they get a full summer split to feel pretty good and like practice and stuff, I might not want the asterisks, but it definitely depends on when those leagues start back up. Just, just because I feel like it would have to be because of how I, I've looked at other things in the past, it, it would be unfair if I did not cast a critical eye to those wins as well. Um, which sucks really, really badly. Um, you know, but and I, I don't think it means that they're worthless and they don't mean anything, but I think you do have to keep the relevant context in mind that, yeah, they didn't play a grueling schedule where they're grind lording potentially. Like, I, I don't know what the vibe is like there because, you know, I, I can't imagine exactly what it's like, but when you're playing week over week in front of people and there's like this pressure of not wanting to look like shit as, as you play and stuff, like there's an extra intensity an urgency in your practice and stuff that might be hard to replicate if you're just doing online scrims and you, and know, you don't know are, when the league's going to start back up. I right. think that that's probably the big uncertainty is like how seriously are you going to take this when you don't know if you're going to be playing again in the next couple months? Right. Like, I'm going to need to learn on this patch. Yeah, the, they yeah. already announced that they were going to be playing. Again. No, I know, but I'm talking about for the past. You like you mentioned they've been they've been practicing against each other for quite some time. Yeah. Uh, you know, like three weeks ago before they knew like how. How serious to Mark's point? How seriously were they taking those practice games when and, they didn't know if this was going to start back up again anytime soon? Yeah, and, and even though they 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 some of this this practice was online and you could watch it, like it still is, it, it's not the same. I think. And I, I don't know. Not to mention, I, you I saw hope- the LCK announcement, right? Yep. Two That's hours sad. ago, LCK delayed due to coronavirus. Like again, I, like I buy, I buy the argument more for for MSI and a much more on page that, as of now, like there would be an asterisk on, on on MSI. But I think if they have a full summer split, I think it's a normal worlds. And I think if you win, you won. And you know, uh, it's it's a tough it's a tough take for me because it's also like if people are going into worlds and MSI, 
thinking about it like that, then it's it's lose lose for Western teams because even if you win, people say, "Up, oh, well, didn't matter. Yeah. It's shit." Um, and if you lose, then it's like, "Oh, you're fucking even more trash. You lost to these teams that didn't even have a full year. That's you guys yeah. suck." I'm suck. I'm kind of right there with you. That's why I feel like the take for me kind of hurts. And I'll, I'll admit, uh, the world's thing. Yeah, definitely, probably too far out to be saying that. But as someone that's like been a super big C9 fan and is like super excited from the go, it does kind of feel like a bit of a feels bad that if they show up at MSI and it's in these kind of scenarios, it might make their successes look a little bit less. Yeah, yeah. for sure. I mean, that, that part really sucks. I, I will say, though, there will be people that will detract from from success regardless of of the situation in which it happens right and i think if if you're a big c9 fan and c9 goes to msi and they win you're gonna enjoy it right and and if someone on reddit doesn't says it doesn't matter who cares like when tl made it to two finals at msi so many people say oh well it, it doesn't matter it's just rng like you're just lucky that you beat ig like you know, then you got shit on by G2. The the loss against G2 is really how good you are. And the win against IG is just IG being bad, not you being good. You still suck, right? So people are going to detract no matter what. You know, people detract from the EU teams making it to finals saying, well, you never beat an LPL team. You always just get shit on by LPL. You're still clearly not that good. So people are going to have detractions from success, I think, no matter what it happens, unless you absolutely slam everybody for a really long time. But... I still think we should enjoy success if it happens, and I think you fans should enjoy success if it happens, and you should be proud of the accomplishment. Yeah, so, and yeah, I would say also, you know, nothing triggers triggers those people worse than pretending, or like not even pretending, but just being like, yeah, I don't care, we still won, you know. And they'll be true. As someone who gets triggered, you know, I, I know you sort of typing up these little like, no, you don't understand this, 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 and then you're just like, yeah, no, we still won. Too bad. Get good. Yeah, that's what I did with Team Liquid making it to finals last year. Yep. I think, I think, by the way, that if C9 wins MSI, guess who has no excuse? Double lift? LEC. <laughs> what? I don't even know. LEC. LEC, oh, I think, bad. wouldn't have a great excuse for losing it, right? So it's I like. Mean, people, people would. Because there, there's always excuses. It doesn't. Like, that's my point, right? Imagine, imagine a world in which, you know, uh, C9 gets the easier, you know, semi-final or whatever right lc has to play the other team and then loses them you can still have people saying oh well the team just played bad against c9 in the finals and that's why i lost them and they played good against us in the semis that's why we lost them you know what i mean like there's always a way that you can have an excuse so i just think that that stuff just doesn't matter because fans are going to believe that their team earned it and detractors are going to believe that they didn't and i think that that's true of all regions to the other regions right so i just think you know you just should just enjoy it if it happens Wild Z, any final thoughts or anything you want to shout out before we move on? I've got a couple of things. It's not going to be long, I promise. I just want to say, uh, first of all, thank you for honoring me, my relatively bad take. Uh, I really appreciate that. And also, shout out to Alienware, and shout out to my Twitter at times. That is all. Thank you. Keep that head shiny, Kobe. Okay. Thanks so much. Did he mean Kobe or did he mean me? I don't know. That was a confusing thing. Does he think I'm Kobe? I think he probably just flubbed his final sign off. 
Oh, I, he had it for ninety five percent, but he didn't stick the landing. I mean, the whole cat for Kobe thing makes a lot less sense if I'm Kobe because I have two cats. You know, that's where it really all falls yeah, apart for me. So we already have cats for Kobe. Yeah. Problem solved. Let's just end it. Everything. All right. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> I like nihilism. Whoa. <laughs> I like nihilism more than I like this fucking cat campaign. I'll tell you that much. The cat campaign is maybe making me a nihilist. Uh. Let me give you a little a little secret. I'll let you in on, on some secret info. The cat campaign is so great because of how much you dislike it. That's what fuels us. I tried to ignore it for the first couple of weeks. And then people kept going with it. I honestly I mean, like. I, I don't even know at this point in time if if Sam actually wants a cat. Like, yeah, I don't know if he wants a cat either. But I know that you don't want a cat, and that's <laughs> enough for me. <laughs> Con is here. Con, remind me where you're calling from. I am calling from Boise, Idaho. Boise, Idaho. That's right. Uh, what do you want to talk about in the show tonight? So I think after watching the games this weekend. I think, based on especially based on what we saw from Team Liquid, that they should be considered back the favorites of winning the LCS this spring. A few reasons why I think that is, first, they had a, a weekend where they had one death the whole entire weekend. They would have perfect game the second game against Hunter T if Wyoming well, just, just didn't take a tower top and gave up somewhere else in the map. Uh, but the, a couple other big reasons I have is I think experience in playoffs is a big factor. Um, Cloud Nine's doing very well right now, but there's a reason why I think the last time a team without an LCS champion won the LCS was probably original Cloud Nine in summer season, well, season three, first season of the LCS. But also, I think their record is very, very like unimpressive given just how bad the LCS is this year. So, if if just I'm gonna nitpick. And and then if you answer that, then I'll answer the rest. Uh, if Cloud9 being 12-0 and 0 is unimpressive because the LCS is not very good, what does that mean about TL's record, right? Why is why is it more impressive for them to be 6-6 six and six or whatever they are? Yeah, 6-6 six and six now versus 12-0. and zero. I don't think that it's more impressive right now. I think a lot of you look at their losses, obviously... They had the Seneth, like, obsession that they got to keep trying to play Seneth and lose with it. That's, like, half their losses, at least. Obviously, you have the Broxham missing and, and coming into the team in the middle of the season, something that, like, a team like Cloud9 or other teams have been boot camping them beforehand. But I also don't take very much stock in the regular season. I think, how many times have we seen teams go 17-1, and 16-2? and two, Twice. Exactly twice. Twice. And how, 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 and twice how, ever. The other team that went 16-2 and two won the split. Yeah. And oh, TSM, TSM won when they went 17-1 and one as well. Good. Okay, fine. Good counterpoints. <laughs> but I, I, just, I just don't take value in the regular season as much as these best of ones when you play best of fives down the road. I haven't yeah. seen a best of five series where Licorice can stand up to impact and win. I yeah. mean, I'll, I'll give you cr credit for that. You know, it is the regular season. TL did start late. Uh, I think some of the other points are kind of kind of weak, though. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I basically, I, I could accept saying 
you know, that you think TL could beat Cloud9 by the end of the season, I think, you know, that's a take that I would, I would be more willing to entertain. You know, if you want to take the stance of like, okay, they were missing their intended starting roster and they've only had Broxa for a little bit and damn, they looked really fucking good this weekend after not that long, right? If that is the argument and that is the basis for saying, okay, they're going to continue improving at this rate and then by the time playoffs comes around, they're going to be the best and they could be Cloud9. I, I am more willing to entertain that, but I just don't see a world in which Cloud9 is not the current favorite when they have absolutely shit on every team 12 straight times. Yeah. I think um they are so so good. I think it's it's interesting too because Team Liquid while they they have a lot of things that they will improve on and get get better at, they never looked this dominant either in any of their four splits during the regular season. Like you said, that's not best of 5. Teams can have better playstyles for best of 5s or or whatever. Um but we haven't seen this level of dominance from Team Liquid during the regular season ever. Uh, if you're even trying to find when they were at their best. Um, and they've happened to win how many LCSs in a row with their team? Uh, they mean, they well, haven't won in a long time, obviously, right? But, yeah, I wasn't saying C9 was dominant. I was saying Team Liquid was dominant. Like This C9 has looked better than Team Liquid has in the past four years. That. But I think there's been teams in the regular season that's looked better than TL going into the playoffs and still lost. With right, the that's that's exactly what we said before. There's two instances of that, and there's also some instances where they did win. Um, so yes, it's it's very fair to point out the importance of best of five compared to best of one, but it's equally just as fair to also say, yeah, but you got to be careful just assuming that because they are really, really, really good, and TL has looked very bad at points this split. Yeah, I think what's interesting to me is if you want to discredit C9 based off of it being best of ones, it, I think it's like it's interesting because your take is TL is back and they're the favorites. If you were to say people are betting too highly on C9 based off of the fact that it's best of ones and there were all these things, then that kind of makes sense. But your stance isn't just that people are overhyping C9's chances, your stance is TL's chances are higher. And I think that's kind of the, the, the thing that I have a hard time struggling with here is like, it, it's strange to me to, to see just based off of this past week and, and say like, okay, well, TL has a better chance than C9. And you're forgetting the most important point, which is tactical is better than double lift. <laughs> Tactical played very well this weekend. He should be somebody that TL hangs up, hangs on to. I saw a lot of people say he should be in the, the LCS next split or something if Doublelift comes back and takes a role and he gets healthy. But I think TL should definitely hang on and use him for trade value down the road. I think they should replicate what C9 did. Uh, but I also think... Or start again, him next year if they can't keep Peter. Contract ends. Or, or sell contract Peter ends off at right the end now. Of, what's that? What? Are we? Do we have a TL caller, Mark? This is I, the TL caller. In okay. Some I, well, I mean, if if so, then I feel like we should obviously dive in on the tactical stuff. I think selling double F off to a team doesn't have a good history for the team that sells them. True. Well, they wouldn't be selling him. So oh, that was just what contracts work where you have them for a period said. of time. 
Mark was saying at the so end, now. You have to get the, somebody again. <laughs> I say you just eat that contract. TL's got the money. <laughs> contract prison. Yeah. I mean, what does I think, that mean? I think we're actually just... going to confuse people, Mark. You're going to think that somehow TL could just keep him under contract indefinitely. At least for the rest of the year. Don't sell him to. Yeah, yeah, to... yeah. But I'm talking about at the end of this year. Like, the, 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 I mean, the joke I was making, kind of not a joke, is like the, the idea that people are like, oh, yeah, they can trade tactical at the end of this year. Much like, you know, everybody was talking about Bjergsen last year, people should be starting to wonder, is TL going to be able to hold on to Peter at the end of this year because his contract is up? And so if you are sitting, like, same thing happened with X Smithy, right? Like, before his contract was up, uh, or his contract, like, he didn't get kicked from TL. It was a world where he was going to become a free agent, and they decided to move elsewhere because they couldn't get him to resign before the start of this, the off season. So that's kind of what I'm getting at here is like maybe tactical is an option for them if they can't keep double lift. I don't know if you feel this way, Mark, right now, but I feel like Travis is really trying to like do double this work right now and say like, hey, all these teams start thinking about offering me this big contract right now. If I was a team, I wouldn't be offering Peter a big contract right now. Oh, shit. Friendship <laughs> ended with double lift. I'd be, I'd be, I'd be setting tactical a contract. People, Let's go. People are, are reading so much in this whole double thing. I think. I, I so, think, so I don't even think individually he was very bad throughout throughout. Yeah. So okay. So let's talk about it. Games. All right. So so we did this on JLXP, which I thought was a nice way of framing it. Um, which is it's something, it's nothing, or it's everything. Um, I didn't really say those in the right order, but like. There's nothing there to like the whole the team like would look their best without double lift. Uh, that's everything, which is that like tactical is just straight better, or it's something. There's something there that they looked better without double lift for some reason, right? What is it for you between those three categories? It's nothing. For nothing. me, for me, I have to. Oh, what does y'all go through? I mean, I I just think it's nothing. I think that. You know, two two games on one weekend after this guy has basically just won every championship in North America for God knows how many years, been in every final, no matter what team he goes to. He's been the best bot laner in North America for so long. I think it's absolutely nothing to one weekend, a team having a 2-0 weekend. Doublelift almost always has a 2-0 weekend for how many years straight, right? I just I just think it's it's garbage. I don't think it means anything. And I think it's it's more likely to do with, and I got more of an impression after the the Broxa interview that it was to do with Broxa saying, "Hey, guess what? I'm finally not jet lagged. I'm actually not tired. I'm having time to practice with my team, and four of the five pieces are the same as what they are going to be. The one piece doesn't actually make that big of a difference because everything else was there, and we're getting good practice, and we won our games because of that, right? Like." Somebody needs to make that Shaq meme where he's his eyes are closed and his eyes are open with Broxa with jet lag. Uh, I think that that would be fantastic. But no, I, I, okay. Let me ask you this, Azale. Do you think right now, like let's say Doublelift comes back this weekend, feels great, you know, for week seven? Do you feel as though he should feel he has something to prove? I think he should feel like he has something to prove. I think the whole team should feel like they have something to prove. I don't think it's double a specific thing. You have a fucking all-star team and you're six and six. That's absolute garbage. That's embarrassing. I actually think that 
all of Team Liquid should be embarrassed at their record. I think that they should be embarrassed at their record whether Broxa was there or not. Because guess what? Broxa was missing. Oh, you only have four of five of the best players in the whole league? Man, that sucks, right? Like, take you, you look have- at any other roster. Like, people are like, oh, but they don't have Broxa. You have Jensen, Impact, Doublelift, and Core JJ. Like, a double MVP bot lane. One of the best mid laners ever in North America. A world championship top laner. Put me in jungle, and I would expect them to do better than they did. Like, they should definitely be embarrassed, but that's not that's not double lift. That's that's your whole team played garbage, and I think partly that's just saying, oh well, when Brock comes, it'll be fixed. So it's not my fault. Uh, but at the same time, they then played with four out of five without double lift, and they looked fantastic. So my something that I had was basically in line with with the Zales nothing, and that I think the something that we saw this weekend and was the difference was. Broxa finally looked like he was at home and he like he is at home in the jungle with Liquid and that their teamwork has kind of came together with him. He didn't feel like a kind of plug-and-pace jungler like he has kind of the last couple weeks. I also, one thing that a lot of people are saying on Twitter, everywhere else like that, is that people like Impact, Double Lift, um, obviously Brox in there, they've put a lot of energy both into solo queue in areas where they haven't been in earlier this season. And Zale's right, they should be embarrassed. It was as a TL fan, I was like disgusted at the beginning of the season. So mm-hmm. uh I'll I'll put myself in the something camp uh to disagree and I don't want to get too much into it because I'd rather save this argument for the, the better put podcast. yourself in the everything what? camp. Say it now. This is the um, double if po- if you're gonna have a double if take, which fucking show do you think makes more sense to talk about that take on? The Travis Gafford Hotline League show or the dive? It's on their content where you can just hear Doublelift admit that he didn't give a fuck. Um, Which, I'll be honest, if I was a teammate in that situation, I would not be happy. Um, And from what I understand, from like kind of talking to some people, the, the team was kind of... They did have a couple like come to Jesus moments with double lift about like after the Golden Guardian game in particular, you know, we talked to the coaching staff and they said, yeah, we pulled them aside and like we had to be like, okay, dude, you actually need to step up. Um, and I think there is something there about playing without double lift. I'm sure a lot of people could be like, look, we're really great and they wanted to prove that. And so the something isn't necessarily their tacticals better or they're better without double lift. But I would speculate that there was some extra motivation to win this weekend for some of those combinations of wanting to prove themselves, maybe not being thrilled that one of their teammates is admitting that they don't give a shit on, on air, you know, like I can't, like, I think we, we heard the coaches say that double lift is not the team. The team is not double lift. There's other people involved, you know? So like, I wouldn't be surprised if there were, over the course of the beginning of this split, some tensions that cha- like at- change the mentality going into this weekend beyond, let's hope we pick up two wins with this sub, because if we don't, we're in deep shit. If we end up with another 0-2 weekend or something. Yeah, I, I, think, I think I would say something to, to go with your jet idea. And I would actually say you're right, Azale, that everybody needs to prove something. But I think Peter 
will and should feel very much like he has to prove something going into this coming weekend. Assuming his throat is better and everything, which I think it's safe to assume because laryngitis is not, you know, you take antibiotics, you're good in a week. I think, look, people are like down on him right now because of his, I'm not going to, like spring split doesn't matter type thing. Mm-hmm. The team was sucking. It has been what Jet had some statement on on air about how like TL is no longer double lifting friends. I think it's good for Peter whenever people are thinking about TL as double lifting friends, and the fact that they walked out there without him and got a two a week and looked maybe the best they have the whole season. That's gotta feel bad, and like this is the guy who for the past two years has been like number one player in the league. I mean, obviously not always getting MVP or whatever, but you get my point, like just lauded. And right now I think there's a lot of people who are doubting him. Now I obviously he's my friend. I believe in him a lot. I think he's going to bring it. I think like this type of stuff is like huge motivation. I'm not saying like the double lift days are done. Uh, Tactical is now my new interview buddy. But I, I do think that if you are double lift and you've seen how, like, this was a very unlucky split for him to boldly say uh, spring split doesn't matter. And I think he was doing that more because, like, everybody hones in on that statement. It's not like, I don't think he was saying it like, I don't give a shit about league esports or something like that. I think he was saying it more because his frustrations around the format change. So was, he was starting trying to start a discussion around that. I mean. But it just was such a bad split for him to be quoted saying that. I, I haven't spilled tea in a while, but... Uh... There was a, a everyone was boot camping on their own because they didn't do a big old team boot camp, and uh, the players, you know, were kind of checking in with each other about how many games they were playing, you know, on their accounts. And uh, I think this might even actually be public. I don't even know if I'm spilling anything. Double played Zimmer. like Double played like four games in a week or something at one point, which was like less than Broxa played in the morning before LCS time, and like. I think, you know, Core J, I think, I forget who was dueling together, but, you know, like, they were spamming and shit, like, it was like, he's he wasn't trying. Let's be honest, he wasn't trying. It was, you can blame the format changes or whatever, but he wasn't trying. I think he already had a fire lit under him after the Golden Guardian game and whatnot. Uh, and I think he's going to get better, and he's going to improve, and, like, you know... Whether it's a chicken or the egg argument, we'll never know if he would have gotten better without these external conversations going on, the tactical situation, and what happened with Keith and whatnot. Um, you know, we'll never be able to prove that this was the motivation that made him great again, you know, or whatever. Uh, so it's all kind of a moot point, I think, in the end. But I do think internally in the team and stuff, this this all is is helping them uh, from where they would have been if these things didn't happen. If that makes sense. Yeah, I think he even said that it's better to have these struggles now than at the end of the split. Like, in some sense, it's good that they came in, they sucked without Broxa. Then Broxa showed up, and they were still losing. And then they really had to like come to terms with that. Like, they were not approaching it right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I really am strongly of the opinion that TL was just blaming everything on Shurnfire because Shurnfire was there. Things weren't going well, and Brox is coming. So Brox is light at the end of the tunnel. Therefore. I don't have to fix any of my own problems because they're not my problems. It's because Shurnfire sucks. 
Yeah, and, uh, and I, I know they were doing that too. Yeah, yeah. So I, th- I think that that was just a really easy scapegoat. I think it really sucks for Sturmfire because he gets a pretty negative reputation out of it, and I think that it put TL behind that many weeks. And if they had been working on their own individual issues, the second that Brox stepped foot on the rift, they like with them, they should have been godlike, right? And I don't think that it happened. Well. Anyway, we we have a couple more colors, so we need to move on. But I, I've got a, a take now. Ooh, hit it. What's your take? Me. Okay, so here's my take, and it was reminded me of because this this whole spring split doesn't matter thing. I think that spring split does matter. That the fact that it doesn't matter is an absolute garbage take. That if you Freaks? as a pro think that it doesn't matter and that you don't have to try hard, a you are never going to be really successful. You're never going to be like a, a world champion or, or reach the actual top because if succeeding in LCS doesn't matter, if making playoffs doesn't matter to you, if winning a fucking championship doesn't matter to you, if making a fucking million dollars a year as a top pro in this region doesn't matter to you, if going to fucking MSI and winning that doesn't matter to you, guess what? You don't have it. You're not actually cut out to be the best. And I think that is an absolute trash take and people that have that attitude will never be the best and people that have that attitude will not succeed at the highest levels because you have to be able to motivate yourself and you have to be driven to succeed and to be the best and that is not contingent upon fucking you know spring split having world's implications that is contingent upon you having the work ethic and the drive to go after it every day Zale, don't you feel like you should have actually competed in something or have some sort of experience professionally yeah, I don't know to if you can, actually you can know give a championship mindset? Yeah, because... true. Uh, here's sorry, you go. Yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say something that um, I watch a lot of basketball documentaries, and like Larry Bird, what he used to do was he would look up box scores for Magic Johnson every time that they played, and he would look up what he was doing. And he would go into buildings and he'd be like, get me the record for the most three-pointers hit in this building, you know? And he would give himself these little challenges and these little things to be like, man, fuck it. I need, I, like, I need motivation to want to win or like do these things. And he would like jazz himself up and like work himself into a frenzy, like shit-talking people. Like he was a huge shit-talker to like make rivalries. He would do whatever it took to like get himself invested. You know, whether that's comparing himself to people, making people mad at him or trying to break records, whatever it was like Larry Bird would just like do whatever he could to find motivation. Yeah, I mean, you you need to have a goal every single day. I truly believe if you want to be the best in the world at something, it is so egotistical to think that you can not work hard and not try and, you know, not actually be grinding at it and trying to constantly improve and still be the best, right? There are millions of people around the world that are are playing this game and trying to be, you know, trying to be improving, trying to be really, really good at it. And you you look at how hard some people are grinding in LPL and LCK and LEC, et cetera, really everywhere. So it's like, if you are not going to be putting in more work than the person who is putting in the second most amount of work, why should you be better than them? I uh, I don't want to spoil my interview with Niski, but because he's in chat, it's funny because we were talking about this, it, what you're saying right now, Mark, and, and Azale reminds me of the conversation I just had with him where I said to him, you know, you, uh, frequently in North America, we have one front runner team and uh, they often complain about how 
you know, speaking of Peter, he's complained about this with TL, where it's like you don't have as many, uh, you don't have as good a competition as maybe you could have in other regions, right? Like, how do you improve when you're just stomping everybody? And one of the things that I thought was really cool that Niski was talking about was that sometimes in scrims lately, they've been going in and just being like, well, he jokingly said, "What? maybe we'll all just try not to die this game. But he he said that they haven't done that. But he have done certain things like, can we just have, you know, can we get all the dragons and make sure that they don't get any dragons or whatever? Like, I think it's been, it was cool to hear him say that C9 has won there on such a high level that in scrims they have to come up with ways to make it more difficult for themselves. Uh, but also just that they're striving still to figure out, you know, how can we make sure that we're improving every game, even if it's in just these specific areas. And I know uh, Jack did an interview with, with Gabby on Monday Night League just about how, like, 18-0 and 0 isn't the goal. And I understand it, it shouldn't be the goal and what you're planning around, but I hope they want it. I hope that they're, like, psyching themselves up to shit on everyone to get closer and closer and do what no one's ever done in North America and be the second Western team to go 18 and 0. Like, I think that should be a goal in the sense that like, it's a motivator, you know, can we do it? Uh, even if you're not gonna game plan around peaking at week 18 or week nine, excuse me. Do you believe that that's not a goal for them? Cause I don't believe for a second <laughs> that every player on that team doesn't want that so bad. I think I, think I don't it, believe it. I don't believe I, it at I all. I think I it's just something it. you say. I think it's something you say, but I also do think it's true that like you're not planning around that maybe in the sense where like if you were trying to be your best, you probably would experiment a little less. And they're like, I don't think maybe, and this was also earlier in the season, so maybe they'll stop doing it. But like, I don't think you pick Morg mid there if you want to, you know, get like put your best foot forward because that I, I, it's a probably a strap they played with. I'm sure it's good. You know, I don't, I don't doubt that the Morg mid Camille top is good and can win and whatnot, but just like, I would, if I was trying to try hard and all I care about was 18-0, Niski's playing Zoe every game. I think it's his best champ. He looks fucking god tier on Zoe. You're playing Zoe every game. It's not banned. And like you're playing this and you're playing this and you're playing this and we're running. So yeah. like I do I do agree with that. It's probably not a goal in that sense, but everyone wants it. Niski yeah. chat says no one cares about 18-0. I will end the last game of the season. Also, right. I can I can see a world <laughs> where Cloud9 going into the last week having number one seed locked up, just put their academy team in. Especially if TL no. is on the rise. If they're if they are sixteen and zero, there is no way they are pitting their academy team in. You are you're trolling me right now. No, I think Jack is going to be like, even if Jack says we're not actually thinking about eighteen and zero, you think he's going to be like, lol, academy. If I was a player on that team, I'd be like, fuck you, put me in. <laughs> I'm not letting you ruin my my record. Yeah, I, I I literally think, especially if TL's on the rise, if the strategically smart thing would be, hey guys, take the week off. Let's not go toe to toe against TL, and let's wait to playoffs to face them. Because think about the mentality. Let's say they go in that last game, seventeen zero. They go against TL, and you lose that game in like a stomp or something. You're now going into playoffs thinking, damn, like. Just, think about really, the mentality like, of something you worked for all split long and you have the chance to make history and having that taken away. Think about what that does to your mentality then. C9 players don't historically do well when they get benched. They don't tend to be happy about it. Con, thank you so much for the call. Is there anything you want to shout out or say before we move on to our, our next caller? Well, just that I agree with the Zale on that part. Back in the day, I said the best thing for NA would be 
just leaving worlds altogether. And I think this split is the exact reason why, because everybody is only focused on worlds and not on the everyday type thing. Oh, and your camera's gone, Travis. I know, I know. All right, well, thanks so much for uh, thanks so much for calling in, Con, and uh, appreciate the call. Mark, you want to grab the next person while I uh, I find a battery? And Azale just fills for time. All right, we got to start moving quicker. We got four people yeah, left. Yeah, yeah, Azale is a professional commentator. Feel free to just talk. Go. Sure. Uh, I guess I was I was going to say, I think that with the H&O thing, I, I understand that not being the goal. It should... Your goal should be the be the best possible team, right? And I think that people aren't going to lose sleep over, over not going 18-0. I mean, I guess I can speak for, for myself. I always cared about doing that kind of stuff. You know, you, you, like if that's not the end goal, it shouldn't be what you're focusing on or talking about. But I mean, I sure as hell wanted to go into every single game I ever played professionally and stomp the other team and yeah. wanted to have as good of a record as I ever could in every tournament I played in. You know, it's like you weren't doing that at the expense of improving or at the expense of, of your long-term goals. But I, I think that almost every competitor wants to, wants to win. Right, that's like that's why you're good. That's what motivates most people. Maximus, uh, Maximus Aries is here. Maximus, where are you calling from? Uh, Cleveland, Ohio. Cleveland, Ohio. What do you want to talk about on the show? Uh, I think Vulcan's the MVP of the spring split, and I think that uh, his ability to team fight appeal uh, for his team will really help them come international play because I think internationally. Teams are a little more aggressive than they are in North America. And I think that C9 really excels at peeling back to a fight and then re-engaging once the burst potential from the engaging team is gone. And that allows them to be more proactive with their macro. Well, it's probably somebody on C9. And uh, we had a call a while ago that explained that Niski's the most, uh, the least valuable player on the team. Uh, so I can definitely agree that it's not Niski. But talking about Vulcan... Uh, what do you guys what do you guys think of that take? Uh, I think it's I think it's a pretty reasonable take. I think that right now, I think anyone on Cloud9 could probably win MVP. You could make an argument for any of them. I don't, I don't think it would be a, a real shocker. Uh, all of their team is playing really well. I think Vulcan is someone who coming into this season was really underrated. He's someone that I was really impressed with last year and that I think a lot of pros had a high opinion of. So I think he is now kind of getting his his rightful due is some attention and and some you know some more fans and everything you know coming into the split and being on a big org and being surrounded by really good players and being able to kind of show what he has because I, I do think he has been great and as far as you know you talking about their team fight specifics i think one of the fun things to do with cloud nine games is actually watching how each individual player is playing out the team fights and they're they really do excel i think in these in these kind of like split team fights where they're having individual skirmishes and each player is kind of individually playing it very well and it's pretty cohesive too so i think that is one of the more impressive things about them we have niski and sven in chat i'm gonna ask give your team give a player on your team mvp and it can't be yourself who do you give it to <laughs> While while we wait for them He's to say that, I, I'm just waiting for them to say no one. Yeah, <laughs> if yeah. I can't have it, no one can. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, come on, you have to give an answer. They're not going to give you a good. Sven just did like the laughing emoji. The lol. <laughs> Sven's Garen. and Lonisky says Sven's Garen. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, that's that's it, true. It's it's one of those things, man. You don't 
you don't want your teammates to, to to be like you know recognized as better than you. It's gonna be held over you all year long, you know. <laughs> Ven says blabber because jungle roll is balanced. <laughs> I'll put that on my uh, submission. See, that's that's actually the good answer. You say blabber so you can get some more ganks, and then that helps your case oh, for MVP yeah, because then you're gonna do better, right? It's a so, diplomatic. Sven, Sven is going with the five head play. He's like, oh, blabber is so good. I hope blabber gets it. Uh, by the way, <laughs> blabber can for me, please. Can we give it to Reaper? <laughs> I love my coach. Let me pick what I want. <laughs> All right. Anyway, Mark, do you, what do you think of the idea of Vulcan getting it? Uh, I mean, he's obviously really, really good, um, and the best. He's gonna win it all pro, assuming you know things don't blow up for C nine. C nine is gonna get first all pro across the board, assuming you know they keep this this level up. Put tactical in ahead of it. <laughs> I mean, that's oh. true. Uh, but I had just like supports really hard to win MVP. Yes, Core JJ did just do it last year, um, but. I feel like part of it is also how much you stand out over the rest of your 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 field is what people do because they play this game and I play this game of like if I took Vulcan out and I put the second best support in like Core JJ, you know how much worse is this team? And this is I I feel bad <laughs> with all the C nine guys in here and shit, but like is C nine a worse team with Core JJ? Probably not. Right? So, like, I kind of have a hard time when I do that thought experiment, not saying it's the end-all, be-all. I think you can talk about synergy and how important it is. But, you know, like, they, they probably aren't a better team, but, like, you know... Ah, ah, ah. And then when I start playing that with other, I'm like, you, you put in POE for Niski or Bjergsen for Niski. And suddenly I'm like, oh, that sounds a lot worse, you know, or, or you know, uh, Santorin for Blabber. Ooh, I don't know. Uh, uh. You know, when I start playing those kinds of games, it feels bad. Uh, and that's why I think for me, it, it, Vulcan's probably not the, the leading candidate on C9. Um, and I understand that that's a feels bad man to approach it that way. Uh, Who's your leading candidate on C9 so, right now? Here, here's here's my argument against that, though. Yeah, hit so, me. So, like, I I understand what you're saying, and like, you know, I, I know why it feels bad to say with all the cloud guys in chat. Yeah, but but here's the thing, right? So, I don't think someone being close to Vulcan's skill means that Vulcan cannot be an MVP. That just I means agree. that Core JJ could also be an MVP candidate. And guess what? He won MVP, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like. If you have Faker and BDD playing fucking incredible and both of them are slamming every lane, you know, saying, oh, don't think Faker could get MVP this year because BDD is playing just as well, right? So I, I don't really buy that that much. My, And I think, you know, again, to give a bit of a counterpoint to some of the other stuff is that one of the things that you're, you're kind of like, I think, highlighting like with Nisky versus some of the other mids and stuff is Nisky's really proactive, he's really aggressive, he roams a lot and blah, blah, blah. And that type of thing is like a difference in play style, not necessarily in skill level. Yeah. So if you want to maintain the same play style within that team, then yes, you cannot swap them for someone that is more passive. Uh, but I don't think that having two people who are really fucking good invalidates someone as a no you know, and possible MVP, right? I don't think you should. I, I think, well, so first off, MVP is obviously somewhat subjective at, of an award even because yeah, 
I, I'm not the kind of person who thinks MVP means the best player in the league because otherwise there'd be a very narrow pool of people I'm willing to award that to. Yeah. Um, for me, it's about performance, you know, and what value means. Otherwise, you would just say best player this split, you know, like it's a fucking Oscar, best whatever. Yeah. It's, it's most valuable. And that to me means, you know, performance. It's how like actual valuable you are in this kind of like theoretical economy of of talent in the lcs and that's why i do that it's not the only thing i want to judge a player on uh but that's why i'm like in this in this team who is the one that's valuable not necessarily their best player but like who's the one who's really enabling them to be this great um yeah it's and Vulcan is, is really important of course for that they're like he's actually insanely good he's playing better than core jj right now i have no problem putting him number one i'm not saying core jj could come in and take his spot but i you know, like when you start, but you did. But if he did, no one would notice. Is, uh, is, what, <laughs> no. is what you're saying? Turn off the nameplates. Maybe no. they're eleven and one. You know, maybe they're eleven and one. So I'm curious then. You know, when you talk about most valuable to a team, that to me means like then you're then you're considering you know a, a dog shit team who only wins through like a hard carry from someone. No, like, I do mean, you so still think be... that person could be MVP or? I think sometimes because to me MVP is the best player. Like who played the best that split? I shouldn't say the best player, but the best performance from that split. That's the MVP. Because I think Poe is probably the best player. Like if you take Poe off Flyquest, they're not eight and four or whatever they are right now. Mm -hmm. So I think he probably provides the most value to their team. And I think Poe is in the conversation for that reason a little bit i i know some people have talked about okay there's the five c9 guys pick one out of a hat they could all be the mvp who else is in the conversation poe probably is the second guy for the conversation um for reasons like that if broxa uh, if if tl keeps winning does broxa enter that conversation because you saw what they were like before and without him no Just yeah he was I, player of the week great. how dare you vulcan was robbed there was a time where Lyra was like hard, hard, hard carrying. What was it? Was it Envy or was it? Envy. Uh... Yeah, it was Envy. Yeah, that was a time where I was like, Never. yeah, like he almost carried them. He was so good that they almost didn't, they almost weren't in relegation. <laughs> like that sounds weird to say, uh, but that team was, was bad. And it was like he almost hard carried them and saved that organization from having to play in, in a, Relegations. Yeah, relegations. So I don't know. Niski wasn't there. Wasn't it like Ninja or something? What, what, I thought Lyra and Niski were not the same year. Am I, I confused? We, regardless, we don't have too much time. We have to. We have right, time whatever. This is, this is all moot. I think there's a lot of things. I probably, I don't know, since we're, we're playing this theoretical thing, and MVP right now is Ale. Who do you give it to? Oh, God. I don't know. Um, Thing, I think it's I think it's tough. I mean, it's it's someone on Cloud Nine for sure. I, yeah, I, I think, think so too. I think my front runner would probably be Blabber or Niski. It's the same for me. But but I think that it's reasonable to say that Vulcan's in. Good one. Vulcan is definitely in the running for me. Yep. Maximus, thanks so much. Anything you want to say before we move on to uh, another caller? Um, Vulcan was robbed and Capra Kobe. Ah, cool. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> To the next caller, we're gonna turn and burn through these last three callers. Uh, we gotta, we gotta go through it quick. I apologize to everybody. By the way, Mar- uh, Zayla, when you went on your giant rant earlier about how spring split should matter, I got five yep. gifted subs 
from Adria because of, of your rant. They were that excited. So thank you to Adria and thank you to Azale for inspiring subbing to the channel. Cat no for Kobe 2. Welcome to the fucking show. Where are you calling from? <laughs> uh, good to be here, Travis. I'm from Minneapolis, Minnesota. Great to have you here. What do you want to talk about? Yeah, um, I think CLG needs to blow get blown up in every capacity. Uh, blow up the front office. Uh, blow up the roster. Blow up the coaching staff. I hope only have metaphorical the, capacities. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes. Not act. Don't actually put a bomb anywhere near them. Okay. But anyway, fire so, them all. Get them out. Um, so MSG who, what is do the most you keep? ownership group ever. What? Who? Literally, what part of CLG like, continues to exist there? I don't care. Blow it up. I spent too many years of my life cheering for this organization to be disappointed for this longer. Get it all out. The CLG subreddit uh, is now the GM. They can have a they can have a, a poll. Honestly, a poll yeah. to see who they hire. If, if you did it to the CLG subreddit, <laughs> if you gave it to the CLG subreddit, LS and Rush would be the two people running that organization right now. I mean, he'd probably be better than Weldon. Um, either of those two. So, are you? There's somebody on the CLG subreddit uh, whose name I forget that is just like really critical of Weldon and talks in every single thread, and now has made an alternate account because Weldon blocked him on his main account. I'm trying to remember the name of this this person. That's, that's not cool. What's that? So that's not cool, guy who's doing that. Well, regardless, anyway. Uh, so so elaborate on on this. Yeah. Um. So. The Madison Square Garden Group has just always been um, not very good at uh, managing sports organizations. We see the Knicks have just been kind of a laughing stock, even when they have good talent for the past like twenty years. Um, it's pretty clear they either aren't willing to spend money or just are grossly ignorant towards what talent is and how to build a roster, right? So who uh, that front office needs to go. None of the players seem to be performing. Like uh, Pope Belter um, looks pretty solid. Uh, Wiggly kind of, I think, was a failure uh, of an experiment. Uh, Ruin is the worst top laner in the LCS. I don't think it's close. Um, uh, smoothies washed up, and Stixay. I mean, I could see a roster built around Stixay. He's like maybe the only person in the organization I would keep. Is is Ruin the worst? Because I feel like a lot of people have been saying Kumo in the past couple of weeks. Uh, it's Kumo. Viper or Ruin, and I think there's a gap before between Kumo Viper. Like they're together, gap, ruin. Um, okay, I just want to say, by the way, if anybody from CLG is watching, Mark pulled this collar. I did not know. I realized that I have said the same stuff, or not the same stuff, but a similar stuff I mean, about. I've been critical of MSG, but this is not me colluding to to bring these collars. I don't in. know exactly what people are going to say when I pay, pick them. When you, you pick know? them, oh, the collar. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I know, I knew it was going to be a CLG needs to burn it all down and start over, but I don't know what's going to come out of a caller's mouth. I mean, I just continue to be disappointed in CLG as an organization, and I, I, I don't want to go back down this rant because I did this a couple of weeks ago, but it just feels bad because it, it feels like they've fallen so far from where they once were, and and I mean that in every sense, right? Like it just. They don't have the following. They don't have the competitive side. They don't have the engagement on their content. They just don't. They don't occupy the place that they once did, and it makes me sad. And I wish that they were not doing this. And it is hard not to blame 
the ownership group for it. So Devil's Advocate, Silzy was tied for second in summer, his last split. Yeah. Right? They were, I, I can't even remember what the series score was, but they were in the last series to go to Worlds. And what did that get them? I mean, what did, what did that get them? I mean, it got them a competitive season, right? You know, as, as far as, are you asking, what did that get them as far as like followers or fans? I just, or no, I, I just, know. yeah, I mean, in a sense, right? It's like, it's, it's disappointing to me because they did that. But then they've just dropped off the face of the earth in this split, right? Like it almost so, feels more of an outlier for the past couple of years. They didn't build any brand off of it. They didn't like it. Didn't really feel as though like it. It feels like a blip on a radar. And so it, it's like the sort of the the lifeboat that they can cling to is like, well, we did this one thing, and yeah, it's great. But if you can't maintain that, it just doesn't look like much to me. So I, I would say that. It's it's a bit tough because I, it felt like they had been having this bad stretch, and I felt like they had actually started to to really improve in summer, and I was kind of excited for them coming into this year, thinking that they were going to be able to build on that, and and just like like I'm not trying to be a CLG apologist because I mean they're they're doing terrible in academy, they're doing terrible in LCS, but that being said, I don't really buy the argument that it was obvious that this roster was going to be shit and all these people talking about how, of course, they were going to be bad. Like, what are these clowns doing? You know, Crown, when I talked to pros, even at the beginning of this split when he was already doing bad, most people told me they thought he was at least top couple mid laners in the league last split. Some pros still this split were arguing to me that Crown was the best mid laner in the league. That was a, like, relatively recent opinion. So I don't buy that everyone saw this coming and that they should have known that of course crown's gonna be the worst mid laner in the league when people were were seeing him do that well so i don't know i would I, never I, say that uh and i don't believe it right that like the crown pickup well, was then, a bad strategy how, losing how, irene how, how can we just like blast the leadership so much le- then, losing right? irene i think is the bigger thing because i think a lot of people gave irene a lot of credit for the success they had in, in the summer split of last year and like from the the rumor during the off season was that like Irene didn't feel as though he was appreciated at CLG. I don't know if that was financially. I don't know if that was in title. I don't know what that was, but I feel like losing Irene was a big thing. Now, the easy counter argument that I will make is like, or that somebody can make is like, yeah, but Irene's on EG, and it's not like that team is doing great either. But I don't know if that team is doing poorly because of Irene. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to say, right? It. You don't usually get a lot of insight either way as far as coaches, uh, you know, and, and what their true impact is. You know, players will have their opinion, and then usually players will only give you their opinion on the coach if it's a really strong one way or the other. Usually the only time I hear something from a player about a coach is, oh, my God, this guy sucks ass. Or, <laughs> yeah, that's, no true. that's true. About, or, oh, my God, this coach is actually really smart. He taught me this one thing that was cool. And that's usually all <laughs> that I hear about coaches from players. And so, so CLG, I think... Do they need to blow everything up? I don't know, man. It's hard to say. It, it it does feel bad to see them go downhill so much. It does feel bad to see TSM versus CLG and feel like you know that was this crazy epic match and and now it doesn't feel the same. Um, but I'm I, like I feel like especially since they got Pobelter, it's at least looking a bit better. At least they're trying something and you know didn't just stay with ground and lose every single game and and how that feels so bad. But like I, I thought that they were going to be a pretty decent team coming into this split with, with the crown pickup. I felt like that was actually going to work for them. Obviously, it, it didn't at all. But you know, 
it's 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 a bit tough right like do, does everything need to blow up i don't really know i think only the people within the organization really have any insight into what the people do on a day-to-day basis and and kind of where the fault lies is is tough yeah i uh i guess like it's it's different for me because i know as you're looking purely at the competitive side and for me this is like a, a simmering feeling that's been happening for the last couple of years as i've just sort of seen them fall further and further from being a team that the audience cares about. And I want them to be a team that the audience cares about. And that, that's kind of the ironic thing is I feel like a lot of CLG staff who might see this or saw me talk about this previously are like, Travis is just a fucking CLG hater. And like the sad thing for me is like, I miss when CLG had a big presence in the LCS and I just don't, and, and in esports in general. And I think since the Madison square garden, uh, acquisition which i was initially very favorable about and very excited about and thought would be fantastic i just have seen them slip further and further and i i don't see signs of life and that makes me sad so i guess the answer be this right like what what are the unique ways that you think teams are are really getting popular because to me it's either you essentially buy a superstar that's already popular and then people are now fan of your team because doubles on it or you win all the time, right? You have or one you of plant two trees, or you make sick merch, dope ass merch, or yeah. you partner with influencers. Like that's part of the thing for me is I look at a lot of these other orgs and they're doing things. Like I don't so, want to so say my, that my understanding is... based based on a lot of the stats and stuff I've seen as far as like fandom stats and, and things like that. CLG is still like top four or something. There's uh, still one. Of, there's like that was my understanding from a lot of the the. The stuff is that like, you know, viewership things and whatnot is that like, like I've seen, you know, posts on from external websites and stuff, you know, that track viewership for teams and things like that. And CLG still is pretty well. Uh, I saw uh, something this offseason that showed fandom through. I think it was like one of like the purchasing things about teams and how much money they're making through the in-game store or something. I remember them being like six now from better. And I think the top three were like TSM still and then Mm -hmm. Team Liquid and C9. And then 100 Thieves was actually fourth. And then Fear was fifth. Yeah, I definitely don't think CLG's in top five. And I think it's really rough when you're not in top five when your competition previously was like Echo Fox falling apart and Optic, which was a goddamn shit show and like it's just when, when those are the things that you're ahead of uh i don't i'm not going to give you too much credit you know and i i think that's what's disappointing for me is i just look at like clg even as like a business is just what are they doing like what if you you know one of the questions i would love to ask them is just like can we hang up on travis sorry oh. as they'll challenge me on this and now uh, i'll just say this because i know we got to move on it's just right, like i look at clg and i'm like what are you doing that is interesting? Why should I care about you? And like FlyQuest has an answer and 100 Thieves has an answer. And, you know, I don't even think TSM or or TL or C9 have like the greatest answers, but they put up fucking results, you know? Uh, and I just, I wish, I wish CLG was doing something. Like, I just, I, I just want to ask somebody at MSG, like, what is the point of this business for you? 
What are you planning on doing with it? Anyway, uh, Cat for Kobe too. What do you want to say? Uh, I just want to remind the chat to drink water. Shout out to Movement. Have a good night. <laughs> good night. All right, we got two more callers. We're gonna go through this quick. Azale and I keep having big opinions. We got we got to have less big opinions. We're gonna have tiny opinions on these next two takes. It's gonna be great. The tiniest of opinions. John G three six five. Scrapjack. Doctor Stretch. Love letters. Spencer Neutron. Osface. They see me rowing. I love you, Chet. Has no. Thanks for the subs. And movement just gifted twenty subs because they are here and apparently heard somebody shout out movement. That's actually really cool. Ahsoka. I wish I could talk more about this movement thing, but I don't have time. I love you, movement. Look at this watch. Ahsoka, where are you calling from? Chicago. Uh, what do you want to talk about on the show? My hot take is that Evil Geniuses would be a top three team if they had Pobelter or Demonte instead of Jizuke. Ah, Pobelter or Demonte instead of Jizuke. Uh, I disagree because I think they've got a lot of other problems, but go ahead. Um, I think this is mostly just because it seems like the cohesion problems sort of focus around there's, there's just no teamwork. And I think with Pobelt or Demonte, like they would just have better cohesion because Jizuki just sort of goes off and does random things at times, it almost appears like, which would help, I think, Svenskaren to sort of do more about the map. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry to interrupt what you just said. I just have to say movement in the chat literally just wrote, funny enough, we sponsored CLG briefly, not our best decision. I have oh, never seen anything like that before. All right, let's move on. Uh, okay, so um, Azale and Mark, what do you, what do you guys think of this take? Replace Jazuke with an NA mid laner. Uh, honestly, I'm I'm really undecided on it because on the one hand, I think the team communication and synergy and whatever you want to talk about being on the same page is clearly an issue with this team. Um, and it, that part would definitely be improved if I think it would be improved at least with a Demonte or Pobelter on the team. And that said. Jizuke has also usually been the best player in their wins. Like when they win, it's like Jizuke did this really well on the LeBlanc, or he played this Malzahar and set up a bunch of fights for us. And like, it could go either way. Like you put the new guy in and they're still a mess. And now you don't have this random pop-off player who's in his own world, but at least sometimes that world happens to have a W in it. Or you just, you know, you actually get on the same page. You actually form a cohesive play style that uh, works and, and they become good. I still don't know about top three, um, but I, I think improving is is potential. Potentially, I have a I have a bold take for this, and I know we're running a long time. I th I would love to see, uh, eg, with. I don't think I don't think just this would work. I think you also like their top lane has been struggling, but I actually want to see if you just stuck like Apollo, in instead of Bang, or you just stuck like a safe. AD in instead of Bing. And I get that Bing is their best player and is the best, but I actually feel like he has a very different playstyle than the rest of them. I think Jazuke wants to go crazy and be aggressive, and I think the other players would probably rally around that faster than this kind of like safe 
play style that Bang has. Azale, tell, feel free to tell me how I'm an idiot. Uh, E.G. Sneaky? I mean, why not? They already have enough C9 players, right? <laughs> but what do you think? Do you think that that would potentially do something? I don't know. I mean, I, I, I agree mostly with what Mark said uh, as far as the Jazuke thing. I think that Jazuke, the, just the way he plays the game, will cost you games, but it'll also win you games. I, I tend to feel like he carried most of their wins, even the the game that Israel game that they had recently where they beat who was it TSM or someone I can't remember um, yeah the, the Zoe game though. yeah yeah exactly where Jazuke I thought hard carried on Zoe the LeBlanc game I thought he carried like he said some really really good games that where I felt like he solo made the difference and there's not a lot of those games in the LCS this year where someone just is the reason you win by themselves almost single-handedly and he does create that, so I don't know if, if getting rid of him and getting someone who's like more even keeled would actually get you to top three because they do have other issues, right? And I think that Kumo is maybe less exploitable than I thought, but he's still one of the bottom top laners in the league. You know, they, uh, I think, like aren't always on the same page. Maybe that's going to be fixed, but then does that make you better than, you know, TL and C9 and, and TSM and stuff by the end of the split is tough. Even FlyQuest right now are playing pretty well. So I, I think it's it's hard to know. And as far as if you replace Bang and you get like people more on the on the Jizuke page, that might make that might make a, for a better team too. It's, it's, it's really hard to know because even if you're good individually, if you're not on the same page, that's really problematic. And one of the things that does work for Cloud9, for example, is that it's like they go for these crazy plays, but they all go for them together. Even when they're a bad play, they go from together and sometimes they can outplay it and make it work, right? Or it's a shit play and it goes bad and then they keep trying and the next one works. Like, look at the Cloud9 versus EG game where Blabber pretty much just inted 2v2 mid. And <laughs> he's in there with him, dying, dying too. He's like, oh, you want to run it down? All right, let's run it down together. Like, I, you know, Bjergsen already bought. I have no Ignite. I haven't bought yet. Let's take this 2v2. Let's die for this. Give up do two kills and double buffs to Bjergsen. And then it didn't matter because they keep pushing for plays and other people can make things happen elsewhere on the map, right? And that's fine, right? You can continually make aggressive plays if you can pull them off. So maybe they could make something like that happen. But I also just think Cloud9 can play like that because they generally just win all their lanes. I mean, this might be recency bias, but Pobelter was like hard carrying this past weekend, though. So it's not I like he can't sure. do it. Yep. And also, I mean, granted, they lost today, but I think he was almost like the sole reason they were, they brought it out so long, other than the Wiggly I mean, Steel. I think I think he was sorry. I think like um, almost all of like the the engages that CLG had today and like the team fight team fight wins was basically off of pole belters pickouts on Xmithy and whatnot with the yeah. I think, I think our point is ultimately it's it's not really just about skill. It's like with a team that has a bunch of problems, you don't necessarily fix it just by swapping one player. Sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. So uh, it, it, it does sound like though with a lot of like their interviews is that. Almost all the players say, "Yeah, it's mostly us just trying to control Jazuke." I'm not saying Jazuke is bad; it just doesn't seem like they're on yeah, the but same. Then you also page have Zazel saying, "You also have Zazel saying that like if Bang doesn't think that the play is right, he will <laughs> that, run that's it down," true. which is a joke, obviously, somewhat. But also, there's uh, probably where this. Uh, uh I I gotta I gotta save Azale. Uh, because he's he's we're way past this time. So, anything okay. you want to say as we move on to our final caller? Uh, just two things. One, I think um, even though 
Dash is, you know, NA's uh, treasure. I think Latigers has been a great addition to the cast, uh, especially for Monday Night League. Um, and then also some more uh, anime LCS content from Avali. Yep. Very good. Hey, thank you so much, Asaka, for the call. I'm uh, currently wearing my movement sunglasses. You guys can check these out. There's a link in the description below. You can save some money. Thanks to movement. Uh, and also for them gifting 20 subs and for gifting to Morphin TV and Sadistic Hero for 14 months. Final caller here on this overtime show. Silk, where are you calling from? Uh, Calgary, Alberta. Calgary, Alberta. Is that close to where you're from? Nope. Well, we tried. Silk, what's your take? <laughs> uh, I think NA teams have been pretty bad at drafting so far this split. And the only team that's been somewhat good is C9. There we go. Perfect take. Uh, so I play, I pulled this actually for a spinoff that I wanted to ask, which is I think people really like when teams win. Uh, mm -hmm. And I would be curious, like, do you think C9 lost any drafts but still won? Or do you think that they've won all their drafts? Um, I'd have to look specifically at each C9 draft. I'm thinking more of like just general picks, I guess sort of in isolation, but not overall but like i don't know i'm seeing a lot of stuff like blind picking tk and stuff like that um early game junglers for teams that like aren't c9 or tsm um and maybe even tl that like don't add anything to how long the games are going um i can't really think of a specific c9 example that they would have lost simply because they have been so dominant mm-hmm I mean, this is this is my general take is that C9, I love Reaper. I think he's the best coach in the league, but I don't think that they have won every draft. And I think there are a number of drafts where if they lost, people would flame them, but they won. So who cares? Like the Morgana mid game. They yeah. Would have been like, what, what the hell is that? Casio blind, Mark. I mean, that's the second time that happened. Yeah, uh, like if you're gonna uh, pick Morgana, why not pick Vigar if you want zoning Vigar. or something? You know, like there, there's a bunch of those. Like the Elise Pantheon game, people are flaming going to all in early game. Well, if they lost that game, like is that not the same criticism basically as the TSM one? Yeah. Um, so like I think, and I think they do a better job than other teams too of making sure that they they had a GP that game, so it wasn't all early game, and they have some things going on and stuff like that. Um, and I'm not even saying that those drafts are in particular bad. I just think that when you have these 50-50 drafts where one team has one win condition and one team has the other win condition and one team wins, you go, great draft. The other one didn't do anything. Blah, 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 blah. And you're like, well, yeah, because the better team won. Azale, what's your take? Um, pretty, pretty similar to Mark. I, I think that it's, it's tough. Like, is there poor drafting this split? Sure, there, but there's some poor drafting every split in every league, and I mm -hmm. think that the community tends to be extremely results based on their analysis with draft, and I think that's that's a natural thing. But it's like you see that almost every time, right? Where it's like, uh, you know, if if Humi is gonna play Lucian Topic with Ignite and he loses, it's like holy shit! Like what an idiot! Why would he think this is gonna work? It's so early game, you know. It's it's never gonna be a good pick. And if you play that and you actually do just like kill a crush a couple times and you win the game off that, it's like, oh my God, this is brilliant. Like what a smart counter pick. You know, you had to go for that kind of play. People get really, I think, kind of caught up in that and don't think enough about what the intent behind the pick was 
they think only about what the pick actually did in the game, not the, what the pick was supposed to do in the game, right? Or or the reasoning for it, right? Because you can pick an Elise and you can flame the Elise for not doing anything early game, but isn't it just that the Elise wasn't able to execute on that? Like, sure, if you give them no options, but it's like people people flaming an Elise for not having a lot of uh, anything done in the early game can be the other team playing really well defensively and tracking them around the map, or it could be the person just like playing the pick poorly, right? There's I basically look at drafts like drafts are kind of like setting the odds for the game almost and drafting is extremely important but you know you can you can set a game at 55 45 and win from the 45 if you execute better right there's always going to be you know advantages and disadvantages and it's it's more down to execution cloud nine saying we only talk about rest race do you guys still have rapid star why don't you talk about rapid star hey uh, uh you're trying to throw a flame at me you don't i haven't seen you talk up any of your other coaches only west race Bilk, thanks so much for the call. Anything you want to say as we say goodbye? Uh, just want to say happy birthday to my friend Spence and uh, happy birthday tomorrow to my friend Seb and uh, Cap for Kobe. <laughs> All right. Anyway, that's the show. Mark, shout outs, plugs, what you got? Nope. Uh, I might be putting out a piece of content this week that that might be pretty pretty fun, pretty spicy. So uh, keep an eye out for that. On your where? Uh, maybe on my YouTube channel. Oh, okay. Yeah, I have a YouTube channel if you'd like to put it out there. We'll see. I'm actually, I'm I'm on a, for reasons I can talk to you about later, I, I need, I need, desperately need content this week. Azale. Uh, shout out to my loving wife, Joanne, who is patiently waiting for me to finish this show <laughs> and is very forgiving and wonderful. And uh, also, check out Lane Kingdom if you haven't seen it yet. Yeah. Because, like, in-depth breakdowns of why pros actually, you know, are, are creating these huge advantages in lane at times or how they're able to do really well in lane. Definitely check that out because I think one of the cool things uh, about that versus just watching an LCS game is, you know, in LCS when we're watching and casting, you have to follow all the different lanes. So it's not always clear how people are actually creating these advantages. Uh, I think it's it's really fun to do. So I want more people to check it out. The last one was on Niski. You know, playing the Pantheon that you guys referenced earlier, solo killing Ika and some some movement that he did that was actually really pretty impressive. So check it out. Hopefully you guys like it. I'm going to have some more coming out in the coming weeks. I already have another one that I'm working on that's going to be a bot lane game. So it should be pretty cool. Hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, okay, that's it for me. Uh, I've got some stuff coming out this week and uh, then I've got other stuff coming out later and a different time and I create content. Please subscribe to my YouTube channel. I want to hit 200k this year. Follow me on Instagram. I'm going to put it in the chat right now. There's an underscore. It's my last name with an underscore at the end of it because somebody else took it. Uh, I love everyone. The stream's going to stay on after the show is done. And this has been Hotline League episode 